0: Big shock! Big
1: It takes a lot to make a stew: a pinch of salt and laughter too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. A dash of love to make
2: it nice. And you got too many cooks. Too many cooks.
3: That would make a really good Halloween costume. Just have a bunch of people show up with uh, with the letters floating on wires in front of them oh so. <laughs> that
0: would be good yeah the, uh, with everybody's names too many and cooks? if you could find a way to make them kind of glow that would be awesome yep. too that would be great ideally
3: ideally the, the best way to do is have it set up so there's uh, you get something under their co- the other costume they're wearing and then over the night, just keep slipping them on, so oh, right. the whole room is full of them. Do that, <laughs> that, that that layered costume
0: thing. So you take a piece off, and it's it becomes like an entirely different costume. And yeah, there's something you can slowly
1: bring the music up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, it's also real have, have, have other
3: music playing, but have that slowly playing in the background, and just you know raise <laughs> the level on one and lower the level on the other over an hour or so. You
0: might get kicked out by the end of the party, but people will be like, <laughs> "Stop with the too many cooks." Uh, <laughs> it's been so long since I've been kicked out of any place decent. So that's yeah. You know.
1: <laughs> Welcome, folks. It's Geek Shock number two sixty-three. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. I'm, I'm fact Check Dandy. and we are here to talk week in geek. Paul Sick. It's Geek Shock Light. It is. Yeah, it's I Geek know. Shock Light. This is a very focused Geek Shock.
3: Geek <laughs> Shock with fewer penises and, <laughs> and <it's> wrestling uh, <laughs> comments. It's too bad I really saw it open here because I was um, the weird bit of Chris stuff he was playing. Was that Paul Stanley the thing I was playing the the endless loop of introductions? Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> I was on the way over here. Listen. Yeah. On the way over I'm listening to an interview with Paul Stanley cuz Paul Stanley had the Kiss is about to do a residency here in town. About to do
1: they've been doing. This they've is the been, last yeah. week. This the last this week. Upcoming yeah, week. This right. I and, went to go see them last Wednesday. And okay, even if you are not a Kiss fan whatsoever, mm. That is a great show. Oh, yeah. That is hard to beat, now, here's entertainment-wise.
3: A, here's a question I had from listening to the interview. Do they still wear the makeup? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They still do the makeup. Something you said in the, in the interview made me think they don't wear the makeup. I'm like, really? How, like, you know,
1: okay. Yeah, they definitely still do the makeup, and aren't, they, they've done it since 96. They took it off in, like, 82 and went through the whole hairband era without it. And then once they stopped being relevant again, they put it back on and then sold lots of lots of lots of lots of lots of tickets. At this yep.
3: point does it look like the the makeup from the day the clown cried or is it, you know <laughs>
1: I will I will say Jean He's a sweating guy.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. By the end of the show, they they've sweated off a, a good portion of it.
1: Actually, it's surprising From- how very little they have sweated oh, yeah? off. That's- I've
0: only seen I've only <laughs> seen the live concert footage on video. So I mean,
1: I mean, I, certainly there's some right. some of that happening, but they've they've got some makeup glue on there, some it's, kind of varnish. It's so he's possible. Not
3: this dripping white goo, like like like. Eight Bukkake videos in a row. <laughs> 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 wow, but,
1: but yeah, that uh, that video that Paul put us toward, where it's just Paul Stanley's openings for yeah, various yeah. songs, that is the concert. Okay, he does oh, that yeah. between every song. That's hilarious. They're, they're, they don't go into like one song into another into another. There is a full stop, and Paul's like, "All right, out there, and <laughs> listen." That, <laughs> that makes listen. It. That
3: makes the interview I heard on the way over even funnier, because <laughs> in the interview he's like, oh, you know, well, you got to raise the kids there; they got to go up there and they do this stuff there. Oh, you know when they, you know they they're, they're, well, it's a family show now, and we got the we got the dads and them both. It's like a little old Jewish man now. <laughs> <It> <laughs> is- I love
1: I love your voice for him though. That's- <laughs> it is
0: funny. I I was uh, the last time I was at uh, the Kiss Monster mini golf. They were playing one of the the live albums, and, and there were at least three instances where where Paul said, "All right, listen, <laughs> we all know what you want.
3: <laughs> oh man, we
1: ain't got no keyboards. That's <laughs> just rock listen, and roll. Listen, you we know what you want to do. You want to rock and roll all night. <laughs> listen, <laughs> it
0: was it was hilarious. We I wanna couldn't thank stop laughing. want to thank every one of
1: you for coming out to see us." so what I'm going to do is go out to see you! And then he goes over to the crowd and this loop that he rides to the middle to this catwalk and plays for the back. It's, oh, okay. I thought it's it was... it's full of gimmicks and explosions. If you stand outside the theater, it's a big theater and it's well insulated, mm-hmm. music-wise, the joints at the Hard Rock Hotel here in Las Vegas. Right. You can hear explosions going on. The The... All the pyrotechnics are just deafening wow. in there, and and there's, I don't think there's one song that doesn't have them. They have multiple fire pots, sparkle pinwheels, and lots and lots of showers of sparks. I know a guy who used to do pyro for them. Oh my gosh, talk about a gig, yeah.
3: Yeah. that you're safe in, um, because he was doing he was doing pyro for uh, um, Treasure Island for the for the pirate show. Okay, and. He, he actually does comedy, too. His name is Pyro Pete. You actually probably see him. But... Uh, Pyro Pete. For some reason, I ended up in a bunch of boxes from the from the Treasure Island show. They're like little narrow boxes. They're probably uh, like elongated shoe boxes. Okay. And, and I was using them to move stuff around in because you know, they was kind of perfect for small art projects and stuff. And I was uh, moving them the last time. I realized I, they all say, you know, explosives, pyrotechnics. <laughs> and I'm like, probably... Post 9-11, this is not the kind of thing I want to be keeping around and moving stuff in. <laughs> keep keep your art supplies in.
2: <laughs>
3: Big wow. orange laborers, like label singing, explosives. That'll move you to the second line
1: in the airport. Absolutely. Crazy. I'm thinking
3: if I move these boxes that used to have you know C four or whatever the hell in them, and then go to the airport, am I in trouble? <laughs> Probably. Dogs go mad. <laughs>
1: But yeah, if you get the opportunity to see a Kiss show e- again, even if you don't like the music, it doesn't matter. You will have a good time
0: because yeah, there's no telling how much longer they're going to keep doing it. Because I, I think mean,
1: they're
3: going to do it till they're broken. Paul said he's 62. He's going to play until it doesn't
0: feel right, and then he's going to try and make sure the band keeps going without him. Well, as you can see, yeah, they, they both Gene and Paul in interviews have talked about eventually. Phasing themselves out of the band and getting replacements for them, since that you know, would be—they're the only two remaining original lineup, but, but not in there of not, all the all the so bands be that kiss could go, kiss, but
1: of all the bands that could possibly get away with it.
0: Oh yeah, for the longest time, a lot of people didn't know that you know. You know, Peter, Chris, and Ace Freely were out of the band sure. because it was two guys in makeup that were up there on the drums and the guitar. So they're like, "Oh, okay." You know, it's,
3: although it's Kiss, it is like like Ringling Brothers, and Martin Bailey. They do like make them change in makeup for different performers, right? Yeah, there's they, not another they, person um, in the cat makeup, right?
1: No, that used to be that way. They used to kind of honor the makeup as retired. Uh-huh. But since I think the last tour, they have insisted on. The those people wearing the cat makeup and the ace freely makeup wow so, so you do have thayer wearing ace freely you do have really singer wearing uh peter chris's stuff and Interesting. i and i now that you mentioned that whole the potential of phasing out of gene and paul yeah i could I, that seems like the first step of that
0: sure it probably is and you know and it's it's not like they wouldn't still be involved. I mean, oh, of course they'd they, own it and take. Yeah, right, exactly. Take they a cut absolutely. They, they oh, have hundred yeah, yeah. percent ownership of what is Kiss now, the official Kiss, I should say. Do you
3: suppose and, the tongue is the is part of the official makeup? If you're if you're going to replace uh, yeah. Jane, <laughs> try
1: to find to have the somebody tongue? with the the tongue. It's a very very specific uh, casting call. Yeah, but I think you have to. Yeah, I really. It's it's so iconic. You yep. have to do it.
0: Now I have seen. Gene Simmons impersonators, tongue. and a few of them do have the tongue. So, I mean, it would be a matter of finding an impersonator that could also well, sing. Well, sure.
3: If you look at Chris Farway, they got the tongue. it can pull it off. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, cool. the, the whole replacing the band thing is not unprecedented. I mean, there's, you know, the, you know, the four tops. I think there's four different groups out here made up of a one top each and three <laughs> new guys. Yeah, something one, like that. The one top and yeah. his three friends. Yeah. I, I saw a cool I saw... I was I was working a gig where Cool in the Gang was playing. And which is bizarre because I don't think I've been to a single gig or party in this town where some Cool in the Gang song didn't play. Right. Um and when, and when they do a whole set you go. Oh yeah, there's two. Oh yeah, that well, yep, that's that. Well, yeah. You will hear Brick House. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But celebrate of that, course. That I you think is have, the official song of Las Vegas. Yeah. Um but yeah, Brick they were they the were playing Commodores. and I looked back at some point I were, looked back. Yeah, you're and, right
1: it is. <laughs> yeah. But it's
3: still the official song
1: of Las Vegas. Okay.
3: But I did I did look back and uh yeah, it was it was a couple old guys and a bunch of guys that were probably born this century. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Keep that long
0: Jim. Yeah, it is funny, like when you uh you read like interviews with people that are like replacement players and they talk about how, you know, they weren't born when the band that they're performing with <laughs> was was popular, and now they're having to learn these songs, or they grew up with these songs, and then it's weird to have them being on the stage with those. It's gotta be those performers playing them. It's it's always amusing to me. I love that music. I don't stuff.
3: know if it's just Vegas has warped me because I don't have a problem with that. I have no problem with no. With, with people taking over the reins or being tribute bands. It's it's, like, it's well, either I mean,
1: that or just not having it at all. And in some cases, I can see people saying they don't want it at all.
0: Well, and look at raiding the rock vault, which is going to be starting at the Tropicana now here uh, this month. They, it's members of literally like twenty different bands performing, it's not necessarily their own songs or the songs from the bands that they were you know famous for being in, but like they're playing like. Bon Jovi songs. They're playing ACDC songs. Right, you know, they're like running the gamut of you know that that hair band, but it's, rock, the eighties pop rock, But cetera. it's all guys from hair
3: bands. This is not yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's yeah.
0: people that are are you know well, like the, the 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 current like uh, like they they bring in guest performers, and the current guy is like formerly from White Snake, and so right. it's like. Yeah, there's there's another one, you know. They just pop it in and I I can, I I've got to go see that show. I missed it when oh, it was at it the Westgate uh oh. which the former LVH. I know some half Vegas price Hilton. tickets or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm sure I could get <laughs> into the to the show for reasonably cheap, yeah. but uh It is one but, of the yeah. weirder things about living in Vegas is, you know, like I I am
3: pretty sure the uh woman that does the Britney Spears act uh over at uh, I think it's Legends It's performing at the same time. Britney is doing her her residency in here, and maybe singing better than Britney at this point. It's it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You see a lot of those
1: because there is a band in town called Sin City Kiss. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they're an incredible Kiss tribute. Yeah,
0: they're good. I've, I've I've heard them perform. Yeah,
1: except for the absolute carnival of the money spent in the gimmickry, they do Kiss better than Kiss. And during this whole time. They are performing, like, every Saturday at Circus Circus at uh, oh wow, at Vince Neal's restaurants. Okay. The Tatuato? Tatuato, Tat- yeah. Are there still two mini-kisses?
0: Uh, I don't know if there's two. I have seen mini-kiss perform at uh, halftime of the Las Vegas Wranglers hockey game a couple years ago. But, yeah, mini-kiss mini is actually pretty good, too. I mean, they were... Playing their guitars and they were singing and sure you know, but while uh, the vocal stylings are a slightly different, it's but, the, it was a good tribute to them.
1: I, I think we've we've bled enough ears with Kiss Talk. Yeah, we've we <laughs> we kind of got off on a tangent there. <laughs> and and for those annoyed apologies. Um that's well, and, and you know. for you wrestling fans out there. What geeky things you want to talk about, gentlemen? Building off
0: of the you know, uh when I mentioned Interstellar last week. I went back and watched this week because it was on uh, Showtime. Disney's The Black Hole from 1979. <laughs> I've never seen it.
3: You've never I seen haven't. it. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: again. It's on. The... I just erased it. Uh, it does
1: not hold up. No, it, you know? it does not hold up. Um, <laughs> I only saw it once. Uh huh. I think, in like maybe the fourth grade when mm-hmm. it, after it came out and it was sent to our elementary school to show in the gymnasium. Yeah, oh. and
0: they and they probably did the the edited version because it was oh, Disney's sure. first PG film, and there were some dams and hells in it in the originally. I'm
1: not sure it was because I certainly remember the quote unquote gorier parts of it.
0: Yeah, the there's there's a scene where a robot gets shot in the chest and it goes like right through, but there's no blood or anything. Yeah. It's just it's just one of those things. It's like, oh wow, that just shot right through that person. Ow.
1: So it was basically Disney trying to be do their yes. own Star Wars. Well, yeah,
0: it came out in 79. Um, it was like right after Star Wars and Star Trek, the motion picture. So you're competing with that. But Disney wanted to do a sci-fi picture, and they wanted to do their first quote-unquote adult feature. So it's it's Disney's first PG film that was under the actual Disney banner. Now, they later on created Touchstone Pictures and Hollywood Pictures for the more adult fare, which you have your PG, PG thirteen, and R rated films.
1: I have to say, I do remember being in the theater and seeing the original trailer for it. Oh yeah, and it, yep. if I, it's in my memory, it's the first teaser trailer I ever saw because it didn't show any footage of the movie. It oh. showed this kind of, for lack of a better word, com- computer generated black hole that you were kind of yeah, traveling through, announcing this Disney venture, right? But it and I think it showed like one quick small scene at the end and that was it. And it didn't show much, but it intrigued everyone.
0: And uh yeah, it's uh it doesn't hold up very well. No. And in fact, uh Neil deGrasse Tyson recently uh called it the least scientifically accurate <laughs> sci-fi film ever. and he said they they got like everything about black holes and gravity and all that stuff complete quote <laughs> completely wrong. So yeah, it was wow. it was kind of amusing. Yeah. And I was like, after reading that, I'm like, you know what? I've got to see that again. And sure enough, it was on Showtime HD. Um, I guess they had uh, restored it because it looked like I remember seeing it when I was a kid. So, wow. but yeah, it, it doesn't hold up very well now. I think now. I've
3: read like the comic adaption of it. Yeah, I don't think the comic was, adaption. There was a
0: comic adaption. Yep. An interesting side note, the film... Two different comic adaptions, One was for kids, and one was for more adult fare. All have different endings. Yeah, so that's what I remember is somebody telling me that it wasn't the ending. That yeah, wasn't a so movie. There, so there's okay. three
1: endings. One for the film, two for two different comic books. Yep,
0: there's a kids there's a kids comic book ending, and then there's a a trade comic. So with is, a completely different it, ending. It's version, in four parts. Like they, they, the Marvel graphic novel. Yeah, that? the graphic novel one is is in four parts. Is and it like in, the? And uh, the first two parts are like the actual adaptation from the movie up until the end, and then the other two are like everything that happened after they go through the black hole. Oh wow! So I have I have not sequel, ready made sequel. I have not read these <laughs> to know exactly what the endings are, <laughs> but I was aware of the stories, and I went and uh, you know before the show actually looked it up to make sure I was. I was remembering correctly. See, now I, there's
1: a reboot we could help. We could have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: they talked about Disney had talked about doing a reboot as recently as 2009.
1: Nothing has gone forward on that. So, well, maybe this uh, Interstellar will will help pull that forward. Speaking of, I did go see Interstellar. Yeah. And and what'd you think? I think you undersold it. I was blown away. I love I'm, that hearing movie. A lot
0: of that. I like. I said. I I've. I've talked to several people that have seen it and, and absolutely loved it, but there are people out there that don't like a lot of heavy science in their science fiction that are, confused and or irritated by it. If you and want a, like
1: if you want a brainless movie, this is not it.
0: No, yeah, actually th- this this is a movie that makes you think. You do have to have a rudimentary understanding of science and physics to kind of understand some of the stuff in here.
1: And I appreciate not being talked down to in a movie. Yeah, it's exactly. been so long I forgot what it felt like.
3: Clearly I need to go check this out before somebody blows it for me.
1: Or where they do that that
0: Uber complex explanation and then somebody does the layman's
1: Translation sure and it felt I mean it's In no way related but it f- had a similar Feel uh, to oh shoot what was Nolan's last Big the the dream one oh uh, Inception Inception Yeah uh, so much so I wouldn't be surprised If he does another film down the line And calls it the end of the trilogy
0: Supposedly Inception when it was done Was the inspiration to do Interstellar after uh, Spielberg backed out. Okay. Because I guess okay. Spielberg was originally attached to yeah. direct it. And, and frankly, I'm glad he out didn't. Because it, well, it's it's not Spielberg's
1: style of film. It's I think if Spielberg would have done it, it would have been. I, I think, think it would have been a the, very different film. Yeah, I think the script would have reflected that. Because so. Spielberg
0: likes to put a little bit of science in his science fiction. But he also likes to mix a lot more fantasy and... Sure, you know, and he
1: concentrates more on the the heart of the, the you know exact, the, that's the, exactly it you know
0: that that human interaction and
1: even though this had an element of heart to it that almost was a sideline aspect of it. Yeah, I just left the theater just absolutely just contemplating it and enjoying the contemplation of it.
0: Did it not remind you of a Kubrick film too? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, wow, it was it was like he channeled. Yeah, Kubrick from two thousand and one, and I'd go as far as In to say, 60, as Nolan is 67. the modern Kubrick. Yeah, just so can we as go that. back and redo AI?
1: Um, <laughs> I am not an AI I hater. I don't think AI is I, that I don't, bad. I, I enjoy know. AI. Now
0: the ending is is a completely different film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen this fifteen year old film. Yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> it's your fault now. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, been, but, uh, it's been the ending is spoiler yeah, guys when
0: he's when he's yeah when he's in the sub and he's underwater and he's praying to the blue fairy that is the
1: perfect ending spot
0: that was i guess up to the point where kubrick had been involved in it before spielberg took over uh for those that don't know you know stanley what? kubrick had originally been attached to and did a lot of development for the movie ai before he passed on he passed on after he did um Eyes Wide uh, Shut. Eyes Wide Shut, thank you. He did enough on and, it that they were calling yeah, it in his last movie. Yeah, exactly. And then Spielberg kind of picked up the gauntlet and ran with it. And definitely after, everything that comes, that last half hour that comes after that point where you know the lights fade and it goes to black,
1: and then suddenly we're, you know, was it a thousand years in the future? If you want to see exactly what I am talking about regarding how Spielberg makes an emotional movie, that is the perfect yeah, part of it. Watch AI up to that point of the Blue Fairy, then everything after that is like, before this is the Nolan pick, after that is a Spielberg pick, and that's what yeah. Interstellar would have been if uh, Spielberg had done it. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, you could definitely tell influence of two different
0: filmmakers on that film, even though it is a Spielberg film, AI. So, But yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it, because... Uh, um, can't I, it back,
1: recommend it back recommended enough
0: couple of co-workers In fact uh one of them this this uh younger like early 20s uh girl that i work with said that she saw it and really liked it and i was like what really okay just because right. it didn't seem like her type of film from any of the conversations i've had with her you know since she's worked there but uh but yeah she, i i still recommend people go see it i mean she's a transformers fan Le- oh, most oh, most <laughs> still water's run deep. <laughs> I was going to say I think most of our audience would enjoy it, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. All right.
1: It it caters to the deep nerd. There's no doubt about it.
3: Yeah. Once again, I'm in. Uh I um hung out with other nerds. I went to uh <laughs> Good for you. I went out to a housewarming party out in Camarillo and uh hung out with um, uh, um my friend married a larper and uh Live action role player, yes, wow. and uh, I, I'm used to sitting around listening to him talk about his LARPing stuff, but I've never been in a room full of LARPing friends before. Oh, wow. they are an interesting crowd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, they talk a lot, often in character. Oh, yeah. Um, Fun. Oh, yeah. But we uh, we hung out and you know and uh, we played a couple games I'd never played. We played a. I had to look it up actually. That's what I was doing on the uh, phone while he were talking. I was looking up the name of the game. We played a game called Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is. A, na- a, a mouthful, mouth- yeah, and it's also so generic that I have to keep looking it up. <laughs> I-, I can only look it up because one of the characters is named weirdly enough that it's easy to Google search. But it's um, it's a um, superheroes fighting supervillains game. It's a uh, card game. It's yeah, it's a deck building game, but okay. it's it's similar to that. Um, oh, what the hell is that game? The the, the the game where you've got all the individual decks of monster of characters, like the steampunk deck, and you've got the you're, you're fighting for the lands. Oh, a uh,
1: uh, smash up.
3: It's like smash up in that all the all the superheroes have their own little decks, their own little like 20 card decks. But um, the villains uh, operate the same way. They've got their own deck and the villains run automatically. So you go around the circle playing your character against the villain and then a villain has a couple cards that flips and you have to go against that. Okay, and it's called what of the multiverse? Uh, yeah, see, now I have to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you forgot I've already it forgotten. Already. It is such a generic name. Wow. Guardians of the Multiverse. <laughs>
0: of the Multiverse. Yeah. That's hilarious.
3: There, there's a character in it named Knife, K-N-Y-F-E, with periods in between it. And that's Myth? the only way I can find it. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> Anything else you want to bring up before we begin this week's news is news, news?
0: No do's that do's new to No, dues. no I, I, feel right. the, I feel this need to swear
3: and say racial comments, but I guess we'll just <laughs> let it go. Dick-ass fart.
1: Don't worry. They'll catch up later, I'm sure. News you don't give a shit about! Got a feeling this hey. next subject is going to come up a lot, gentlemen. Uh-oh. Because it already has been, and it's just going to deserve to be brought up. Universal Pictures Chief Donna Langley talked about the company's shared universe that will star the wolfman the mummy the bride of Frankenstein the the invisible and the, others, oil. The, the Universal monsters Avengers series yes quoting uh, Donna we don't have any capes in our film library but what we do have is an incredible legacy and history with the monster character excuse me what is Dracula where we've tr- <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> We've tried over the years to make monster movies, unsuccessfully, actually, so we took a good hard look at it, and we settled upon an idea, which is to take it out of the horror genre and put it more in the action-adventure genre and make it present day, bringing these incredibly rich and complex characters into the present day and reimagine them and reintroduce them to a contemporary audience, unquote.
0: And that was their first mistake. (laughs)
3: I don't know. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of hate for this whole Marvel, this whole Avengerization, and what's what the, was there a term we're using? For I'll this? take that one. Avengers. It's so hard to say. Avengerization. Though. Avengerization of it. But uh, they've already did. I mean, back in the '30s, they were doing crossovers. Although they were
0: doing that's was, that I don't have though. a product. I don't have a problem with that. It's the way that they're doing it with the these classic Universal monsters characters. It's one thing to modernize them, but to turn them from
1: horror characters into action movie stars. And that's that's, that's that's just just it. The crossovers you're talking about, they were still monsters. They were still bad guys. So
3: the the intention is for them to be like the Monster Squad? Yeah. Uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah, they are superheroes. You're going to have monsters probably fighting other big bad monsters, which sounds cool when you say it like that. But when you think of movies like I, Frankenstein and Underworld, that's kind of what we're looking at here by the sounds of things.
0: which i've seen Eye frankenstein and it's it's rather meh yeah it's 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 not a horrible film where you're just like oh my god really did they do that it's literally just kind of eh. i saw it now did, i probably would never see it again
1: did either of you see the wolf man
0: yeah though the the one with
3: um uh, with, with, del Toro? yes i did not I thought it was fine. Um, Kay had a weird reaction to it. Kay saw a preview of it a couple of months before it came out and was very impressed with it at first. And then he saw it again and wasn't impressed with it. I thought it was fine. It was a little little plotting in parts, and uh, uh, it definitely had some flaws, but it didn't bother me. But I mean,
1: that was Universal's last attempt right. to make a Universal monster movie. Although
3: the one before yeah. that, their their mummy series. Right, you say we will, about it. I I really enjoyed it, and it was definitely it's, it's a lot of it,
1: it is a lot of fun, and there is an ex, right there an example of it of doing that. But again, the mummy was the bad guy, right?
3: Yeah. So, really, the way to do this is to uh, get a group of heroes that are fighting the monsters. I mean, those like are Van Helsing, like Van Helsing. Yeah. Well, and again, that was <laughs> that was fine if it didn't go in with too many high expectations. It was. Uh, that was a real popcorn movie. It's a Glowing and review. What's that?
1: That's a glowing. That's review.
3: it. That's a popcorn movie. It was. I mean, I would have been pissed off if I saw it in the theaters, but you know, watching it on Netflix was fine.
1: And but mm. that's just it. That's not what you want, right? And that seems to be the description we're getting. But
3: fuck, well, you know, go back to the '70s um, Marvel Dracula series.
0: Oh right, that was all. That was the band <laughs> Tomb have, of Dracula. What's that? Tomb, Tomb of, of Dracula,
3: Dracula <laughs> with uh that had a. Uh, one of the Van Helsing's relatives, and that's where Blade comes
1: from. And sure, right.
3: There was, all, there was all about the vampire hunters, but you also had the right, weird but, stuff with Dracula. And his, but
1: again, that's Marvel slash Disney owned, so right. you can't really skirt that
3: story. Yep. That's but I'm saying it can be done. You can do it with people fighting the monsters. But yeah, making the monsters the heroes, is that's not what monsters are.
1: And uh, we already got a taste of it with that vampire, I'm sorry, uh, Dracula Unleashed or released or whatever that last uh, one was untold untold mm-hmm. which did they, think for which, a second too which they did tell but right but that's seemed real meh and everything I heard about it and I don't think anybody here saw it
0: yeah no. it it just didn't look interesting to me at all and
1: anybody I know that went to go see it uh, there were some people that said yeah it was all right but that's the best I got out of people so hmm. but that's not all that's uh, oh because uh, you know, right we this we know writer producer Alex Kurtzman a guy behind Star Trek and Transformers, and writer-producer Chris Morgan, the guy behind Fast and Furious 6 and The Legend of Conan, has been tapped as the architects to lead the revival. Uh, The effort to create the new MonsterVerse began sort of, as I said, with Dracula Untold, but it will get a more deliberate kickoff when the reboot of The Mummy arrives in 2016. Universal has tapped Aaron Guzkowski, who did Prisoners, to script the next Wolfman film. They've also brought on Nola, uh, Noah Howley, who created the FX series Fargo, and Ed Solomon, a screenwriting veteran who's worked on uh, Men in Black and Charlie's Angels. Universal's plan is for the group to act as kind of a writer's collective on the entire Monster Universe. They all have individual commitments but they will also work as a well-oiled television writer's room, helping out and lending advice to each other's projects in an effort to create a model of serialized storytelling. So oh they have boy. their individualized movies, but they are also making sure that they are working together to create this overarching narrative.
0: Yeah.
3: It sounds, it uh, sounds like a
1: good crowd, but man, they're no. going to have to do a No, the guy from uh, Fargo? Fargo did really... The the TV, You know, I haven't seen the TV series. The TV so series I heard was great. I hear that's really good. Yeah. However, he's a writer and not the architect. Okay. And the architect is basically Fast and Furious and Transformers. Oh yeah, then one's are screwed. So that's yep. what That's why it's in this category. Yeah. And I you know what? I wish them best of luck. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they find a way to make this really interesting, really engaging, and really I'm back to the, I'm back to our our our, our Frankenstein pitches.
0: I'm,
3: I'm sitting here going through my head, thinking, "How could, how could we actually make this work?" Because it's good. It's good. the characters could, are.
0: Great. I was like, "All right, how can we make this work?" And then after we figure that part out, how do we make that
1: good? Right, <laughs> right. But it for everybody who's aping this Marvel way of making movies, we have these other people that are saying, "We're doing that too, but we're ignoring the source material." And right. that's what everyone else seems to be forgetting is that Marvel yeah. is embracing the source material yeah. and well, and really embracing the fans at the same time. There's a
0: quote from, and I, and I hate to keep going back to it, but it was a really well-done special, the, the, the Marvel 75 uh, hour-long program that was on uh, about two weeks ago. It was the yes. Marvel 75 from Pulp to Pop. There's one quote in there that basically says it all. It's like, Marvel Studios said... These are movies that we as comic book fans would want to see. We make movies the way that we would want them to, you know, we movies we would want to see. And that's really what's telling about all this. You've got all of these other film studios trying to make stuff
1: that's similar to what Marvel did without the love of the material. What? Classic universal horror monster fan out there is going, I want Dracula, but I want him in the modern day. I don't want any of this classic Bram Stoker stuff that they did with the first movies. Who's doing that? It's, Nobody. I, it's a horror.
3: I, you know what? I'm fine with modernizing. I just want him to be the hero.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's a horror film, and it's not necessarily the... It's, it's that layered horror. You've got the psychological horror of, you know, what is it to take something that is essentially an amalgam of dead parts and make it into something living. And what happens when that creature does not become everything that you want it to be? And and it's then after fatherhood. That, Get used yeah, to it. Well <laughs> Exactly. But but you know, you're fine. Relax. But yeah, and and the monster is guilty of nothing but existing and, you know, working on its own base instinct at that point. I mean, there are later iterations where he does have uh um you know, some thought process as he works into figuring out who and what he is depending on what material you look at. In fact, I think even the uh, the Mary Shelley book references that the creature does eventually get some Intelligence. Oh yeah, he's a, you know, he's a very he's, he's, educated yeah. creature. Yeah. Eventually, yeah, it, yeah, he's a was learned, it self self educated,
1: right? Uh, well, he's taught by a blind man.
0: But. Okay, so I, I couldn't remember. Is, right? it's been a, so Is long? What it, what it I asked? mean, it's been high school since I read that book. It's been a Mary while. Shelley. I don't think the
3: blind hermit's in the book. He's not. No, I, I, I think I he, think I think he's still operating off of his memories from being okay. before he died. Okay, um, I could very well be wrong. Yeah, but yeah, no, he starts. But off. I seem to remember
0: something in the book. Like he, he, he starts to develop an intelligence, and he starts. I wanna say he's self educated. It's like I said, but it's, either way, he's it's been twenty he's plus years he's since smart I read the book. And he talks That's and the he's point. he's, he's deeply
3: philosophical yeah. and he's he's having the argument about why did you create
0: me to be this thing? Yeah. So there's that other la- layer of horror, that that horror sure. of what am I, what have I Which become the
1: universal movie monster never was yeah. in any exactly. way. No. There's exactly. There's nothing except for the idea of piecing together a man that has to do anything with that book and is nothing
0: right. but a pure baser animal instinct driven creature yeah. so yeah I it's I, I just Universal's got this really deep catalog of stuff we it's it's okay to modernize it but why change right, into now, but something I even, that it's
1: not as a, as a universal monster fan yeah. I even scream why modernize it? There have been so many modernizations of these of the vampire of the Frankenstein's monster over the last decades. Mm-hmm. That's all we've seen except for Bram Stoker's Dracula, yeah. Scorsese's piece, yeah. which has its faults but is a pretty good movie. Yeah,
0: and it's it, it's fairly true to the material. Yeah. Well, that it was gone the from... mummy went back to the 30s,
3: not the mentioned our 20s even. Money yeah. back the twenties and said it. Right? I
1: mean, I of of the universal horror monsters, the only one I can remember that actually takes place in the modern setting is Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? That's right. Yeah.
3: So But uh, man, now, now I'm looking over the little the little models over there running through my head. Oh yeah. I mean, uh
1: Well I mean obviously
3: Dracula and uh, Frankenstein are from books, but the Wolfman there's no there's no classic Wolfman book that I can think of that they braced that off of, and the, sure, uh, it's just a lot of folklore. And the creature with the Black Lagoon is a original creature from the thing. Who else? And the this, Wolfman
1: might have been in The modern And well. the mummy. Again, and there's would,
3: no classic mummy book, so yeah, it
1: was them going. These monsters are working for us. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, well, and you think Universal would
0: would get a clue that the those, that the the fan base is going to eat up even even just a a, a remake
1: of, you know, those classic well, creatures in, think, in a classic type of setting. But again, they tempted that wolf with, with the Wolfman, right? Well,
3: actually, they, with Van Helsing, now they have mentioned it. Van, Van Helsing is exactly what you're talking about. It was the... And that was about, Universal, too, yeah. It was, the, it was the... Wasn't it Frankenstein and a Wolfman and uh, Dracula? Yeah, the
0: yeah they, they kind of made them a, quote, super team, and they were yeah. fighting all these vampires that... Um, Yeah, it was uh, Frankenstein and... Oh gosh, I haven't it's, seen that. It's one just since bad it was enough the that none of us can
3: pull out the details. Is
0: what it is. Yeah. Well, the the reason I was saying that is that is that the Universal Monsters collection that came out on Blu-ray, uh, I want to say was it last year or was it the year sure, before? whatever. It's out, but it's yeah, it's it sold really well. Like Universal was surprised how well it sold because I mean they spent all this time and effort completely restoring these films and putting them on Blu-ray in high definition, and people were buying it up. Sure, I I own it. I bought it. I and it's it's a fantastic collection. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Does it just include the first from each series? Oh gosh, it's 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 a packed set. It's got like ten films in it. It's it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, I can, I couldn't even mention them all to you right now, but yeah, I mean it has. I bought it too. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. do you you got it too? Yeah. Nice. It is a nice set. Oh yeah, it's right there. Classic monsters. Oh, there we go.
1: But that's not all the bad stuff that's happened. Oh, no. Uh, This one's more for Paul, because he's... He's not here. He's not here, but the news is out. One of the most acclaimed British series of the last decade, BBC crime drama Luther, is getting a U.S. remake. Oh, of course. Fox has given a rich put-pilot commitment with a seven-figure penalty to the adaptation, which will be written and executive produced by the original series creator, Neil Cross. The British series star, Idris Elba, is on board as executive producer.
3: Did you say seven-something penalty?
1: Seven-figure penalty. That what does means a seven-figure
3: penalty mean?
1: That means that if, for some reason, it does not make it, if it's not picked up for production, they owe the creator... Seven at figures. least a million dollars, whatever the figure they have, but seven figures starts at a million. So I want that it's, deal, yeah, right? it's,
0: it's, Well, they, they put that clause into a lot of stuff, the, the most famous of which was the Nick Cage Superman film that never got made. Nick Cage got a million dollars for not making Superman? Oh, he and uh, uh, who was the director on that one? Uh, Actually, that might have been it was, worth it. I, it's Tim Burton, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it was like mm-hmm. Burton and Cage made out like bandits on that thing. Like they, they made a ton of money. For not getting the film made, because they, they had a penalty clause in there.
3: Oh, yeah, I want to go way back to on the cape comment. Yeah, you which, do. Which, which of the Marvel characters? Oh, I guess Thor has a cape.
1: That That's just a, a, what people have called superheroes, capes. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's even a comic book series called Capes. Yes. Uh, Luther, which uh, ran on BBC for three seasons, centered on John Luther, played by Idris Elba a near genius murder detective whose brilliant mind can't always save him from the dangerous violence of his passions while opting to end the original series after a three season 14 episode run cross has left the door open for a luther movie starring elba the original luther series which aired in the u.s on bbc america earned eight emmy nominations for best miniseries best actor and best writing directing so yeah they're
0: well i mean it's it's not without precedent i mean that that the series that the mini series it's on right now, grace point on Fox, which is
1: having its problems.
0: I, I'm not aware of any problems. I haven't read no, anything about it, but
1: no, as far as viewership. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. The
0: viewerships dropping. Yeah. But it's, it's a 10 episode miniseries. Sure. I mean, it's only got 10 episodes to tell its story, but it's based off of, uh, a British series called Bridgewater. In fact, (laughs) interestingly enough, it starred David Tennant in the British version, who is starring in the U S version. But I mean, they do that a lot because it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's easier, but with the, it seems like the lack of original, you know, programming coming out of a lot of these television uh, networks, they seem to just go see, okay, what's popular over in the UK that's a, you know, fairly original idea, and then they take that and then just transfer it into a U.S. setting. Sure, so I yeah, mean, shoot, that whole the the whole uh, the Showtime series episodes is based on the same thing. The and, o- the Office and, was a yeah, British exactly, series. it was a British series. Sanford and Son.
3: <laughs> Seriously, Sanford and Son.
1: <laughs> now I that, that I did not know what what was the original.
3: Uh, I think it might have been Steptoe and Son, wow. and they were white that's um I did not know all in that. the
1: family was
3: based on a British thing
1: okay I'm getting schooled right yeah.
3: now. I all in the family know. was based on you, when you when you get the credits that they would say it um huh. told I think it was of death to us part was the all in the family one
1: wow yeah I learned something didn't yeah,
0: yeah Sanford and Son based on the BBC steptoe and son. How do you like I am that? full of useless information. That's, you're beautiful. That's why
1: <laughs> one of the many reasons I love you on this show. One of the re- many reasons why you are known as fact-checking. <laughs> now, there's nothing here that says that Alba is going to be in the TV series, and probably isn't. So, yeah, I but, would but, imagine but he won't be. executive producer, definitely. Oh, but have you seen
0: any of the, With the Grace Falls? Grace Point? Yeah, Grace I've, Point. I've seen episode, every episode up till now. I mean, there's only three episodes left i think it's the one on thursday and then two more and that's it i I bet if it's failing financially it's just a matter of the delivery system i think i I think it is it's i think if i were to pick something that it would be suffering from is the fact that it is a slow burner you know the i'm not spoiling anything the premise of the film is a very small california town a young boy is murdered there's not been a murder in this town in who knows how long. So they have a fairly understaffed police department with no experienced detectives other than the detective that David Tennant plays because he's come from a much larger um, police force and has moved to this to kind of get away from um, his past. And it's a very slow burner because it's like, well, what you're saying is. Everybody. From the first episode up until now, everybody is still a suspect. Right. You're saying it's 10 episodes to solve one murder. Yeah, exactly. Whereas we're used to, you know, six murders being solved in a 40 yeah, minute exactly, episode or something. Exactly. Yeah. So that's probably one thing that's hurting it. I think another thing that's hurting it is that they're really trying to build up the suspense by not revealing too much information in each episode. So it's like. You get a little piece of the puzzle in one episode and then another small piece in the next episode. So here I am on... This will be episode eight on Thursday. And we still don't really have... We have this giant suspect pool, but you haven't even gotten an idea of... It hasn't been narrowed down. It's so hard to craft a whodunit because it
3: either... Either you go one way and, and everyone knows who it is from the get go, right? Like Columbo, or uh, yeah, or, let me ask you something here, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you get one where they pull you know, that comes out of the, you know, out of somebody's yeah. ass, and then it's like, w-
0: w- where'd that come from? And the, or they the do, the, w- yeah, yeah, or they do that the whole twist where like it's this person, and all of a sudden it's like, haha, it was not this person, it's this other person, right? It's like, and uh, you guys arrested the wrong person. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, the the
3: rarely and the best ones are the ones where it gets to the end and they reveal. It. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. And I did not see that coming. But that is so yeah. hard to do. It is
0: very hard to do.
1: <sighs> so so far, this versus True Detective. I know not fair because True Detective ran its whole right gamalt. Uh What do you think is better? Oh, True Detective
0: by far. Okay. I mean, the acting. I mean, not there's nothing against the acting in Grace Point, but McConaughey. And um, Harrelson Harrelson just killed it. I mean, they owned each other's characters. I mean, they just played it so well, and it was it it was also a slow burner, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, and in just little small reveals every every episode up until that very last episode, which was you're like, what the? <laughs> you know, is that available
1: <laughs> for purchase yet?
0: Can you buy? Yeah, it's it is now out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah.
1: All right, just one more piece of news you don't give a shit about. Speaking of the Frankenstein TV show. Oh, yes. The Frankenstein Chronicles is being produced as a six-part television series by ITV. Sean Bean will be playing Inspector John Marlot, or maybe Marlowe. How many TV series is he in now? Crime I don't he, know. I'd, I'd be impressed if he survives Is this the same one we're talking this one. about before, or is this another Frankenstein? I don't know anymore. Okay. I don't know, but this is happening. Public domain. <clears throat> uh, deadline describes the series, so here we go. Set in 1827 London. This is a different one, then. Okay. You're right. That would be different. The drama begins when Home Secretary Sir Robert Peel recruits Marlowe after a successful operation by Thames River Police to apprehend a gang of opium smugglers. As Marlowe stands at the water's edge contemplating the arrests, he makes a shocking discovery. A corpse washed up on the shore is not what it seems at first glance. Instead... It's a crude assembly of body parts arranged in a grotesque parody of a human form. The mutilated childlike body leaves an indelible impression on Marlowe, who is tasked by Peel with tracking the perpetrator of this heinous crime. As he investigates, Marlowe discovers that what he's dealing with is more horrific than he could have possibly imagined. I I
3: actually do give a shit about this. That sounds two hundred percent more interesting than the other one you described, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Marlowe's investigation takes him to the dark corners of Regency London, says Director Benjamin Ross. He discovers an underworld of prostitution, drug smuggling, body snatching, and murder for profits. The irrational evidence points first one way, then another, as he contemplates a frightening alternate scenario.
3: Nope, I totally give a shit about this. No, I, w- I would I would watch this.
1: Eh. this. I don't know. It could be okay. Mm. It's, I don't know, maybe it's, I'm just so Frankensteined out with Penny Dreadful. Which Penny Dreadful? Yeah. Penny Dreadful, the Showtime series. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, I only got to see the
1: first episode of that. How'd that go after that? I
0: yeah. saw two episodes, and I, I I lost interest in it.
1: It's, it's yeah, I never f- ended up finishing it, which...
0: And I've been told I should go back and give it another shot, because they said the following episodes were a lot better, but... Just I don't know. The first two episodes didn't didn't seem to really interest I me. I fell asleep in the first. I'm one. sure yeah. when it
2: be-
3: I'm sure regarding after seeing the first one, I'm sure unless it goes completely square cornered, uh, you know, and then I the further episodes, I'm sure when it becomes available on Netflix or something, I will sit through and watch it. Sure, because I'm still I'm still watching through um, episodes of stuff that I know I've got like uh, Burn Notice, we mentioned. Last. I'm I'm still watching even though I know that you know it's. It was it stopped being good after a while it stopped being it just repeated itself
0: I uh, yeah I I did not watch the entire final season of burn notice it just I was I'm like okay he's back in the CIA and right. it's like okay. oh spoiler <laughs> I'm just like, well I mean, but, but, it's but he was he was out. in and out how many times in I the don't series know. I, don't know. I just I mean it, it really was it was. it was hard to keep track of it it's like I mean, I it, really loved the premise of the first few seasons and you know, it was very whole, much a victim of success because they didn't—they yeah. didn't expect it to last that long.
3: They just—they just didn't.
0: And I get that, yeah. but I mean, it just seemed like there were a couple seasons where they wrapped it up, and it should have been perfect to end right there. And then they brought it back for another season. And it's like, okay, well, all right, we'll or, or bring it shot. back with a
3: completely different premise. But
0: yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah,
1: that's it for the bad stuff.
2: Weekend Geek,
1: yay! Hooray!
0: Yes, I know, said
1: Marvel has confirmed Danie- Daniel Brühl, who was in uh, Rush in Glorious Bastards, has joined Captain America Civil War in an unspecified role, though multiple reports claim he will be playing a villain of some sort. There are also reports the role could be recurring and carry into other Marvel films. Uh, Brühl joins Chris Evans as Captain America, Robert Johnny Jr.'s Iron Man, and Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther in Civil War while Joe and Anthony Russo return to direct after their turn with Winter Soldier. There are also unconfirmed reports Sebastian Stan will reprise his role as the Winter Soldier in the sequel. Deadline claims that the new character he'll be playing is reportedly the villain of the film, though Variety cites sources saying that he'll be a minor villain who will carry over as a bigger menace in Doctor Strange.
3: Well, oh Interesting. Doctor Strange? See, my, my, my first thought was, was Claw, but... Uh... Qua versus Doctor Strange seems a little odd. Yeah. Um, they can't possibly bring in Fu Manchu. Um, I don't think this I don't kid's know, gonna be Marvel, Fu Manchu. I know no, Marvel to, keeps you guessing, kid. man. I'm trying to think of stuff where you can you can cross over from Captain America villains to the Doctor Strange villains.
1: It's tough. My guess is it's going to be actually a Doctor Strange villain that just makes an appearance in this.
3: So that's possible, I say think yeah. more than those. Lines. Baron Mordo is that one of those? Uh, yeah, Baron Mordo is one of Doctor Strange's. So it, possible, yeah.
1: But that's that's happening. And uh, let's get some sad news out of the way. Uh, legendary producer Glenn A. Larson yes. died this yep. week after a long battle with esophageal cancer. If you grew up in the late '70s and '80s, you are familiar with some of his hit science fiction adventure series, from Knight Rider, Automan, Manimal, and Battlestar Galactica to the Six Million Dollar Man and Buck Rogers of the 25th Century. Larson's production company serves genre fare, to homes hungry for genre fiction. Uh, Besides his beloved sci-fi shows, Larson also produced dramas, mysteries, and crime shows like Magnum P.I., Quincy, Quincy, M.E., The Fall Guy, uh, Hardy Boy, Nancy Drew Mysteries, cover-up, B.J. and the Bear, and The Highwayman. So that's a hell of a pedigree.
3: Yeah. So. No, I mean, he
1: he
0: put out a lot of schlock, but he put out a lot of good stuff, too. Well, but, yeah, I mean, like... I, I was I was reading some stuff with him uh, and they were talking about how you know he's often had to defend himself for some of the stuff he's put out and I'm like why should he ever have to defend himself I mean the the notion was that it's like okay it's all not like you do- wrote song of the sound yeah it's like it's like like they the the accusation is that all he was doing was taking popular movies and then turning it into a slightly different TV show certainly and it's like well but that's what Television was in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. He kind of was, you know. It, it and that's, it, and there was anybody bar- that's done an elevator pitch. It's that's the elevator pitch. He's like, it's like this, only as a TV series. He
3: defined the genre, he defined yeah. the time. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't really and there, talk about TV in that time period and not mention something he did. And after Star Absolutely. Wars,
1: Tron, all oh, there was a market hungry for that.
0: Yeah, and and it's not like he, you know, didn't put stuff out that people didn't want to watch i mean people watched him i mean knight rider i watched all the way up to the final season even though it was really horrible. Wow. wow that final amazing. season was horrible <laughs> one it, of my, bro-
3: my my favorite lines of my brother is we walked into a small town in England one time we're driving we stopped you know in a small town in England with my family and he got out and looked around and goes this isn't a town this is a place michael knight goes to get beat up <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so, and my old man moment of the uh, episode, by the way, uh, I I saw Song of the South in the theaters. Oh wow! Wow! I, I just had the
1: little golden book, which I still wish I had. Yeah. Wow! Do I wish I still had the little golden book?
0: I saw it on video at school in grade school. Wow! It was on. It was on like a videotape, and it was like one of the last times that disney put it out at all
1: i think that's another one that they showed us at the elementary school
0: that makes sense it was it was elementary school so Mm -hmm. what? how did that happen i was thinking about
3: that the other day because um uh there's a willy wonka show happening at blackbird next month and uh, they're going to show it thursday uh at at blackbird to get the artists in the head i know i saw willy wonka in a school somehow i saw willy wonka in a school and okay and it couldn't have been out long when i saw it
1: interesting.
0: Yeah. Some of those they put out like they they put out special educational versions of the films that, you know, they they put them out to schools. It was oftentimes it, it wasn't like available in, you know, home markets, but schools would have video cassette players and they would put out a limited number of copies
1: to This was thing like, before video cassettes. I mean, this was yeah. projected on the wall. And I have them to thank because without them I probably never would have seen a Benji movie or Candle oh, Shoe. Yeah. So
0: well, and yeah, and then they or, had or the Lobo. and they had the the sixteen millimeter prints that they would put out for schools as well, and that uh, they sold to the schools for really cheap. Is that the no? It's Super Eight. That's the one thing I
3: Yeah, that's that's how I first saw Creature from the Black Lagoon. I saw oh, a Super six, eight? six minute version of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh wow! Wow, it it, uh, it loses something in the translation. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> is
1: there no? There's no sound on Super Eight, right? No, there isn't. That's what I thought. It's like
0: a silent movie where the where the entire well, action is packed into six minutes. It it <laughs> depends. There is a version of Super Eight film that did ha- uh, have a space for sound encoding.
1: I was lucky bastards.
0: But yeah, your tipi- you're you're right. The typical Super Eight like home movie setup did not have. Sound recording capabilities You had to record
1: it separately And then sync it Well that's not the only loss we had uh, Raymond Almarin Montgomery Ooh, You got me Passed away at 78 years old Also known as R.A. Montgomery He passed away November 9th After a lifetime spent traveling Riding and running his own business Montgomery spent several years teaching Peace Corps members in Africa before he helped launch an entirely new genre of fiction by publishing author Ed Packard's role-playing book, Sugarcane Island. Impressed by the educational potential of Sugarcane Island's interactive premise, Montgomery decided the novel would be the first in a series entitled The Adventures of You, Later, he renamed it "Choose Your Own Adventure." Oh, wow! Okay. After being contracted to Bantam, "Choose Your Own Adventure" went on to sell 250 million copies of over 230 titles in more than 40 languages, becoming the fourth best-selling children's series of all time. Talk about creating a genre, yeah. and
3: and sitting right in a moment where you can only do that. I mean, I mean that sits there right before. Uh, computer game that comes out right before computers get big yeah and i mean with computers a choose your own adventure is basically the way a lot of those early adventure games work very much so to the
1: yeah. same in fact there was a choose your own adventure series of games out for of course the there were, yeah commodore 64 the and the, so absolutely, an absolutely. Uh, montgomery occasionally authored books himself under the pseudonym robert mountain but contrary to standard practice at the time insisted that Choose Your Own Adventure authors be credited under their own names, thereby helping to launch the careers of several aspiring writers. Montgomery's final Choose Your Own Adventure book, Gus Versus the Robot King, was published last September. Oh, wow. a, A movie based on his book, Choose Your Own Adventure, Mystery of the Maya, is currently in development at Fox.
2: Huh.
3: I want to do an Andy Kaufman thing and take a Choose Your Own Adventure book and have a public reading of it, but read it from front to back.
1: And what take take hands?
3: No, no,
0: just read it. No, in front No, oh, like, oh, read it like, of- like
1: like page one page tooth. Oh, geez. yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: If you want to do this, turn to page thirty two. <laughs> It'd be even better
1: if you could have like actors behind you acting it out. Oh yeah. As oh, you're reading it, as you're reading it,
0: that would be an amazing improv <laughs> oh. exercise that would be, that would be a because lot of fun. because as you're Ball reading Band? straight through, they're setting up a scene and then they have to jump to a completely different scene and then go back. Wow.
1: And try to make sense of it. All. That's, oh, that's, that's a fun idea. Yeah, that
3: no, is. That's a brilliant idea. I like that. You know what? We're, and we're not trademark copywriting this one. Theater troops out there all over the world. Do this. We want to see this. Take yeah. it. Go yeah. nuts. Somebody make it work. We're we're going Cthulhu, Mythos on this. Take it and run with it. We're not greedy.
1: Variety reports that Jai Courtney is in talks to play Deadshot in Suicide Squad. After a breakout role as John McClane Jr. in 2013's A Good Day to Die Hard, the Australian actor snagged a couple of high-profile genre franchise roles. First as Eric in Divergent and then as the new Kyle Reese in the forthcoming Terminator Genesis, First introduced as an enemy of Batman, Deadshot has become best known among comic readers for his Suicide Squad affiliation, which began in the late 80s under writer John Ostrander. An assassin with near-perfect aim who will never back out of a contract unless he's paid. Deadshot is also well known for having a Death Wish, He's always willing to go down on a mission and sometimes even engineer situations that will likely result in his own death. This blending of relentless mercenary professionalism with a dire desire to end his own life makes for a compelling combination, particularly when mixed with personalities of the rest of the Suicide Squad team. Variety also reports that the rumored Suicide Squad roles offered to stars Tom Hardy and Will Smith may have also been revealed. In the same report naming Courtney as Deadshot, writer Justin Kroll notes that Hardy is being courted to play Rick Flagg, a founding member member and team leader of the squad, and that Smith has likely been offered the role of squad member and Flash nemesis Captain Boomerang. It's also worth noting that Warner Brothers has yet to confirm any of this, so it could fall apart by tomorrow. Didn't we
3: have a big conversation where it turns out Captain Boomerang is racist?
1: I don't know enough
3: I don't about Paul. that character yeah, I don't to either. even make I, man a statement about that. I'm, I, I think Paul went into this whole thing about Capital. Where are they going to find a racist Australian? Uh, <laughs> that's uh, funny. Yeah, play, I to play by Will Smith. Then that's great. Good for them. Uh, I, I I can't help it. I'm I'm actually starting to get excited about the Suicide Squad thing. It sounds like it's going to be enjoyable.
1: It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm. You're right. I I was. I don't know much about Suicide Squad, probably as much as I knew about Guardians of the Galaxy back when it was announced. Right. And I find myself in that same little giddiness about this one versus all the rest of the DC canon that's getting released. Right. So, yeah, as more of this comes out, I'm like, yeah, I get crazy with this thing. Yeah,
0: go nuts. Go Rocket Raccoon, baby. And it is interesting with DC now having the complete television canon and the or the television universe, and then the cinematic universe now. And they're not connected yeah, at all. I the 20 yeah,
3: because Deadshot's in there, right? Deadshot's. Yeah, Deadshot's in, yeah, in Arrow.
0: Um, it has the potential to appear in uh, The Flash, but only those two are connected. And, and then you have Constantine on a completely different channel that's not connected to the other two. So. Yeah, DC's
3: getting the same problem Marvel did when they started throwing all their characters off the different companies.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, it's still it's still Warner Brothers producing these. Right. They're just it's they're not connecting them. They're taking their own property and they're producing it, and then now is putting it on other networks. And Gotham's
1: on another whole network, right? Yeah,
0: and Gotham is on Fox. So wow. But they're all produced by Warner Brothers. It just they're not at all connected. They've, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I, sorry, I, I should take that back. Flash and The Arrow are connected. Yeah. The others are not.
3: I don't know if it happened now, but I mean, there have been some weird crossover between shows over the years. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be impossible for them to cross them over, especially since they're owned by the same company.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if... I, I don't think Gotham will because it's own standalone, t- standalone timeline. And it's
3: supposed to be taking place at different, yeah, different times. Okay. No, but I, it, I could...
1: It, watching Constantine this far, I could see a crossover of a sort happening.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, they and they could do a, a crossover with, you know, say the cinematic and the television Arrow and Flash, if they did like say a Crisis on Infinite Earths type. But story. again, that's a really and far... and those would be like alternate. Yeah.
1: Well, didn't we that'd be a really far-fetched thing to do? It's not yeah. like they're on the same channel. So yeah, exactly. Didn't we
3: already say that uh, um, um, Rasha might be played by? Um, right out of my head, the I minute mean, I tried to say it again. I, I do Ooh, not know the guy that played him in the Dark Knight.
1: Um, Crap, Liam Neeson. Liam yes. Neeson. Yeah, mm-hmm. didn't,
3: didn't we didn't we already come across a story where where you said that he might play that part?
1: Not that I remember. Uh, okay.
0: Now they had a. I, I might be as a fever f- dream. Don't know the actor's name, but Rachael Gould has already appeared on. Um, albeit briefly, on Arrow. Oh, has he appeared? Because I, I, I haven't gotten far enough that, that he's been mentioned. I'm not right. spoiling anything. He just he pops up, and that's okay. it. It's So I don't know I don't if there's... Be Hello! I don't know if he'll, Ra's he'll Ra's be Raul. reappearing any time later on. But, uh, but yeah, because, I mean, they've referenced him a lot in Season 2, right. if you remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so.
3: I'm still working through Season 2, but, yeah, he's referenced quite a bit.
0: I'm all caught up. It's It's that and The Flash I'm really enjoying.
1: Acclaimed South Korean filmmaker Chan Wook Park has announced his next film. Park is best known for writing and directing 2003 award-winning Old Boy. He's cranking up development on his new flick, Second Born. The story takes place in a futuristic world in which new, a neuro microchip implant are used in, to store one's consciousness, leading to black market body swapping. The film is based on an original screenplay by David uh, Yegernoff. I know this idea has been done. Yeah, I was going to say they had yeah. a an
0: HBO movie.
1: However, in, in the hands of the old boy writer director, I really am excited by this idea. Yeah, you're
3: saying it won't be Face Off. It won't be <laughs> Face Off.
1: It definitely won't be Face Off because that man has some grit in his directing. So. Okay, God, what was the name of that movie? He's not afraid to HBO. punch the the watcher in the face. Exchange. He right. come I think, through that screen like? and punch you. Mystery Science Theater 3000 could be coming back to the small screen Yeah, I saw that Some best of episodes could show up on PBS next year as part of a programming offering via Shout Factory American Public Television is currently offering four classic Mystery Science Theater episodes to local public TV programmers If these four episodes prove to be popular, then it's possible it could lead to even more episodes coming up in the future the four episodes on the table include Mano's Hands of Fate, Hercules and the Captive Women, Gunslinger, and The Unearthly. Though it went through a few different incarnations and networks, KTMA, Comedy Central, Sci-Fi Channel, during its decade-long run, the series has largely been regulated to tape trading, scattershot DVD releases, and now a smattering of streaming options. And uh, Netflix. Is,
3: there's 30 or 40 of them on my Netflix.
1: Uh, which is a smattering. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, considering the the full catalog. Yeah, there's so many. And
3: I watched a lot of those on on terrestrial TV. Mm -hmm. It was running late night on one of the weird channels out here, and they'd break it into two shows. Oh, that's
1: right. When they did syndicate it, they did have it broken up. Two hour long shows.
3: Yeah, it was hard to follow those running gags when you had to wait a week to see the next episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, that was such an odd exercise. Yeah.
0: I finally saw some clips of the old KTMA That's some rough stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and you have a like some the one that they showed Is completely different. Tom Servo.
1: Oh yeah, that was Josh Weinstein as uh, Tom Servo back then. No, but he... I
0: mean, like the robot was completely yeah, different. It's co- and, then... and
1: and completely different. Yeah, different voice.
0: And and later on Hodgson took the parts, Is like, It's not no, I, working and he yeah. he re completely redid the the uh yeah. the the puppet in. Yeah and when it's Weinstein more like now.
1: When Weinstein left, uh he went on to become a writer for The Simpsons. Okay. Right? okay. And that's when uh Frank Contiff, TV's Frank, stepped into the role of the other bad guy. Right. So that's that that was the original lineup. But yeah, if you see those old KTMAs there.
0: I just saw clips, so I haven't seen a full episode, but yeah, I was like, wow, this it was, is a completely different show.
1: Where the show later on, they would watch the movie ahead, they would make a script for themselves. KTMA, they were kind of just riffing off the cuff. Wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not as fine-tuned, let's we'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. And even and even they say, the yeah. key ta- don't watch them. Well,
0: Hodgson even just said recently, he's like, history has been very kind to MST, you know, people forget how rough the early going. Even were. Yeah, even
1: the first season of Mystery Science Theater, when it was on... Comedy Central. Ha! No, it was on Ha! It was yeah. the Comedy Channel back then.
0: Yeah, and then it was bought by Comedy Central later. Yeah, absolutely, you're right.
1: And, yeah, the, even, even those are pretty rough, so... Right. But, yeah, this is exciting. Anything that, that brings that show back in some regard. sure. And, and I lament that there's probably episodes out there that people will never, ever get to see because they are they only owned the rights for so long for some of those right, movies sure. and some of those movie rights won't ever revert again yeah. so they'll never get them again so i think the magic sword oh, is one 70 that's, years from now well, yeah okay yeah never say never but i think the magic sword episode is one if you can catch it somewhere on youtube or something like that is one that is never going to happen again
0: mm. there's an upcoming rift tracks uh, with the Santa Claus versus the Martians, yeah,
1: it? I think they've done that already. They've done that. I think they've done a Rift Tracks version of that already.
0: No, I know, no, but, 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 but like a live in the
1: theaters, oh, when in they're the movie okay. theaters, I they're, 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 they're doing a Fathom event. Yeah, kind Fathom, of thing. There's, yes. a, there's definitely Thank a Fathom you. event coming
3: up soon. Um, they're Santa, doing those
1: pretty regularly now, and I'm very happy yeah. to have it.
3: Santa Claus versus the Martians, of course. Stars, I think it's as, that one. starring I'm, who is who is it as the little girl? Pia Zadora, yeah. who lives in town now. Pia Zadora lives here. Love to go and. Pick somehow her get her somehow
0: get her to go to see a screening of that Wasn't she in the hospital for a while there? I like, think she like was. Ill. Yeah, she's ill. Yeah. She's out now, I guess. She weighs like 4 pounds. I mean. And they're uh, doing the Thanksgiving marathon for MST this year, right? That's next Thursday. I
1: still have not seen a thing on that. I remember you telling me about it, but I've Um I I'd, I'd have
0: to look it up, but basically they're it's a it's a YouTube um and is it Vimeo? They have their own channel okay. on on both. Uh, yeah, and, we did mention that they yeah, a uh, Vimeo channel. Of they're they're doing it you know, because th- uh, Thanksgiving was when MST premiered back when it was on the uh, KT... Uh, KTMA. KTMA, thank you. So it's the quote-unquote unofficial anniversary of the show. So they're doing a, a Turkey Day marathon, and it's going to feature new clips with Joel Hodgson, and, and then it says, quote, and guests. So so exciting. So, yeah, uh, host segments I see is, what it's, I guess, what it's really there, called. There's some but, drama uh, there, right, between the, the the various groups that are doing it. I mean, how... I, I, I don't... I, they've never publicly said anything. I mean, I know when we saw the 20th anniversary thing at Comic-Con, you had one side of the room that was Joel and Trace and Mary and... I, I forget who's over there. And then you had on the other hand uh, edge of the room, you had Mike and... Um, Kevin and Frank, right? Um, no. I remember Bill, Frank was there. Bill Corbett. Oh, so, okay, I mean, sure. They, I, I think it was more, to be honest, I think it was they were seeding them in the different projects that they sure. were currently working on. I've never heard of, of bad blood with it. No, I've, I, and, and it seems like they've I, been I do, very complimentary of each some, other.
1: Some bad blood between producer Jim Mallon and Joel Hodgson. There's there was definitely some that's why and that part of Hodson, the reason he left. Yeah, yeah. that is why Hodgson left. There was a lot of egos going back and forth between those two. But aside from that, I don't think. there's But as far to as fight. like the
0: writers slash actors, I I've never heard anything, and they've been very complimentary of each other. Oh, that's good, at least publicly.
1: And Jim Mallon is a name I have not seen thrown in either camp. So okay,
3: did you got uh, you. Did you ever see Hodgson on uh, Saturday Night Live way back in the day? Oh,
1: and his uh, prop comedy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fact, that, uh, that
3: that predates the mystery science stuff. I'm pretty sure by fact, quite a uh, bit.
1: He and uh, Gallagher have a feud going way back to those that time. Wow.
0: Okay. Here's the the Turkey Day marathon straight from Shout Factory's um, website all right says uh this year we're celebrating turkey day in true mystery science theater 3000 style since it was such a hit last year we're back with a brand new mst3k turkey day marathon which you can stream live on thanksgiving plus we're putting a bunch of mst3k si- titles on sale and offering up a set of free coasters blah 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 coasters. Uh, yeah th- this is all sale stuff right here um Get to the movies. Get the movies. MSG3K YouTube channel and Vimeo channel featuring uh, new host segments fe- uh, with Joel Hodgson. And it just says and guests and special guests. It does yeah. not list who the guests are. But that's right off of Shout Factory's uh, website. So if you want to know more, go to Shout Factory. Yeah, yeah. shoutfactory.com forward slash. You can just, you, it's yeah. easy yeah. to find. Just, you, know just, how to, you know how to Google? Yeah. So I want I want to go back to the It's, for, the it's prop a long comics. one, but it's MST3K Turkey Day. Don't even.
3: do even. Yeah. Turkey Day Marathon. <laughs> um Prop Comics Gallagher. Um apparently there's a giant feud between Gallagher and Carrot Top because Carrot Top essentially uh, uh, Top, uh basically stole Gallagher's act. Gallagher's manager got rid of him and then picked up Carrot Top and created the act from that.
1: So. I'm sorry. Just because you're a prop comic doesn't mean you own the act.
3: Well, no, but apparently, like, he, it was like Gallagher's manager and him got in a fight. Okay. And then, you know, a, a few months later, his manager showed, and you know, the manager showed up with this new carrot top. But I guess he's also this weird thing with Gallagher, has a brother who looks very much like him. And sometimes you go to see a Gallagher show, it's his brother.
1: Yep. Very strange. World. I,
0: uh, I've actually met him twice at work. He comes in the sits at the bar, very kind of nondescriptly sits down. Uh, I just I happened to recognize him one day, and I said, uh, just wanted to say I've always appreciated your work. It's some of the the most intelligent comedy and so forth I've ever heard over the years." And Especially I've actually, in actually seen 80s. you in concert, in, twi- in, in concert twice. And he's like, "You have?" It's like, "Well, thank you. I just want to." say thank you for coming to see me and I'm like hey it's one of my one of my favorite childhood memories and you know young adulthood memories I'm and, going for, to see you and thanks concert. for
3: not
1: mentioning the watermelon thing <laughs> <laughs> and in the age of renting videotapes there wasn't much in the way of stand-up comedy you could nope. rent. It was no. Bill Cosby himself, Eddie Murphy, and Gallagher. That's what you had.
0: And then sometimes you would have just the audio tapes. You wouldn't have the video. So <laughs> it's 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 interesting listening to Gallagher on audio cassette because you don't you don't get into the actual prop comedy, but his his heady comedy is his very well done. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. In fact, he even offered to take a picture with me, but we're not allowed to do that at work. Sure. So, yeah. but I did like,
1: have one of those Gallagher audio tapes, and what is funny is it oh, does yeah. have the sledge matic part on it, so you get an audio version yeah. of, yeah, it's, it's a of the watermelon smashing, He's which very is weird. Just, to, to his credit,
0: he is very descriptive of what he's about to do. Sure. Yeah. Well, don't you want to know how it works? Yeah. All right. You
3: know, I saw a play out here probably 20 years ago now. Um it was like one of those, oh, I could see him now. Uh, um, the unknown comic, Murray Langston. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Wow. I saw Murray Langston, bad he had. It's actually, Did he perform with the bag on his head after the show, and they took it off and performed the rest of the? Wow. show. Wow! Yeah, I can appreciate. Um, it. Yeah, he played it. Oh, what the hell? was I forgot that? he existed. I'm Facebook yeah. friends with him. He's actually he's still very active in Facebook. He pops up and he tells a couple jokes every day. They're old jokes, you know. He's 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 going through the old joke books and pulling them out, but he. Posts him out there, and he occasionally posts stuff about his family. He's got a relatively young daughter. I think she's got some developmental problems. So he's like, he's, he's still out there being a real person and everything. It's crazy. Huh. Well, not to
0: get too off track here, but uh, like we're not already. I know, right? Uh, actually, thanks to Todd and his parents, I got to see Rodney Dangerfield out here. Oh wow! And that was uh, it. Was it was an interesting show? Um, it was not long before he died, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It was like just a few years, like I want to say two or three years before he passed. But uh, yeah, we got to see him here in Vegas. Um, Most of the show was good. He had a heckler in the audience, although I'm still not 100% sure if that wasn't a plant. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, towards the end of the show, it was getting a little rough and you could see him sweating and, uh, (laughs) and, uh, you know, having some difficulty. But I still cherish that memory because I got to see one of the greatest comics of my childhood perform live and... It was it was fun. I had a good, I had a great time.
3: The one who's still performing that I really have to see, he performs like maybe twice, two, three times mean, a year. Don Rickles is still performing here oh, yeah. occasionally over at the yeah, New Orleans. You know, you got to see. I mean, there's no yeah. way he's going to last much longer. Yeah. You got to see him. That yeah. happened
0: to me with George Carlin. Oh I'm like, well, yeah. he'll be back next year. Nope.
1: Yep, <laughs> he was not back. It was, he with was not me,
3: back. The, spoiler alert. With me, yeah. that he'll they'll be next. have back next year. I think I've said the, told the story before, but the. Uh, the old roasts were still running when I first
0: moved. Oh here. yes, the the celebrity sloppy roasts. white and uh, yes,
3: and
2: uh,
0: the
1: Dean Martin roasts. Yes, without
3: Dean Martin, but yeah, but it was okay. uh, those that kind of thing. I was it, like, it, you it are was, old. No, I was. <laughs> well, that was that was my first got here? That was okay. that was yeah. That was in the seventies.
0: Yeah, in the seventies, like, late seventies, early eighties. They were doing them. Here. They were, we're
1: still gonna, doing the Dean Martin roast then.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was well is the the Dean Martin was part of it but there was the the roasters, the fryer's, fryer, fryer's Friars Friars Club, yeah. Club roast. Gosh, I can't okay. talk about that. They now. still
3: do the Friars Club roast. But right, but I mean different. it was no
0: it was much bigger then and it was based out of LA but they did a bunch of them here in Vegas. But this
3: would have been like 1990. There was like the last one oh, that I saw. late like Wow. It was like Sloppy White was on the marquee and um um it's a great name. What the that was his name. this was that guy because it was the other guy I met. Uh shit. Anyways, but the, you know, guys that just you only saw, they must have played Vegas. They must have played Vegas in the, in the 60s and 70s, but you only saw them in the Bros, like Slappy White and uh, um, Foster Brooks and yeah, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Crazy, but yeah, I saw that. I'm like, oh, that happens here. I should see that. Never saw it again. Huh. Never saw it in a marquee after that. Keeley Smith was still playing here when I first moved here. Wow, yeah.
1: I'm reeling this back in. Reeling it in. (laughs) We're back. CBS Films has tapped a new scribe to write scary stories to tell in the dark. John August, who did Big Fish, Frank and Weenie, and Go, will adapt the iconic book series by Alvin Schwartz, the three... Book children's series sold more than seven million copies worldwide. The collection of folk tales and urban legends also memorably haunted generations of youngsters with its surreal and nightmarish illustrations by award winning artist Stephen, Ga- Stephen Gammel. An earlier iteration of the feature project had Saw's Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton scripting before producers shifted gears. August is going back to the source material for his take, thank God, and a director will be the next piece to fall into place.
3: So is it a kids' horror movie then, or are they doing it?
1: Don't Uh, know. We don't know what it's going to be. If they're going back to the source material, I I assume it's just vignette after vignette. Uh, If you're not familiar with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, it is probably many kids of the 80s and... Maybe maybe in the 90s cuz I think the last one came out in like 93. Yeah. Sounds about right. Introduction to short horror stories. I remember mother reading these to me before bed. Really? Yeah. That's an unusual bedtime choice. It really is. Yeah. But they were kind of campfire tales, but right. when you read the book itself, what really stood out is this dripping artwork that everything just seemed wet, and the ink just seemed to drip away from it. Huh. And it had, just had this eerie feeling of decay with every illustration. Like a sweaty
0: Gene Simmons. I remember the books, I just don't remember the artwork part. I'll have to look that up. Oh, the
1: artwork is is, is it. Uh, so if, I'd be even more impressed. In fact, I'm almost sad that it's not a animated film to keep that art style
3: you know Hmm. a way to cross that over and and keep that in is to do the interstitials with the with the different titles you know the different stories like put up put up the artwork oh yeah little title cards i'm
1: sure they'll reference it because it is just such iconic to those stories but i'm excited because these are scary little fun little tales and uh i'm excited too i've never heard of them it's not this sounds fun yeah oh I'm more excited about this than I should be. Uh, yeah, sure, it might be a kids' story thing because they are aimed toward kids. But I think that the people that remember it are the adults at this point.
3: Oh, so. I didn't mean that to be a negative. I was, going oh, yeah. say I was, yeah. I mean, like goosebumps was. My huge. guess is
1: it'll be a PG thing. Yeah, that that seems to make the most. But when sense. you were
3: talking about the guy that saw going into these, and it was originally children's story, I was like,
1: really? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Universal Pictures has acquired worldwide worldwide distris- distribution rights to *The Visit*, a low-budget film that M. Night Shyamalan wrote and directed in covert fashion, in partnership with Bloomhouse Productions. Jason Bloom, the studio has set the film for release September 11, 2015. Uh, There were rumors that Shyamalan might have a project he was shooting underground, one that was closer to the spirit of his first few films than the big studio efforts that followed. He self-financed and shot this in and around his home in Pennsylvania. The visit focuses on a brother and sister who are sent to their grandparents' remote Pennsylvania farm for a week-long trip. Once the children discover that the elderly couple is involved in something deeply disturbing, they see their chances of getting back home are growing smaller every day. Oh, hell. So what are your thoughts on this? My
3: thoughts that that sounds like an interesting premise.
0: How's he going to fuck it up? (laughs)
1: Uh, if, if, If it truly
0: is in his style of his early films,
1: it could be good. This is the first time I've been kind of excited about a Shyamalan joint, if you will. Only because without that budget attached, I, I think he has a stronger possibility of shining. Yeah. It. I mean... Well, it's, hard, but,
0: it's hard to say if it was, you know, the, the, the failure of his last couple of films were more on him or on studio interference. I mean, sure, nobody can really say for sure. He's not really commenting on it. And,
1: right. And he did produce that uh, very small horror film, Devil... Yeah. that all takes place on an elevator. Right. And that's a decent little picture.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, enjo- of it.
1: I enjoyed that one. Okay.
0: And I mean, and let's face it, he's a talented man, but, you know, yeah, eventually almost everybody in Hollywood succumbs to the Hollywood system and, you know, becomes very embroiled in it. So, I mean, there came a point where
3: everyone was expecting the twists and stuff, and he became basically hosting his own Count Floyd movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's it. So I, I'm hoping that, Ooh, wasn't that this spooky. is a second wind. What a twist. But I guess we'll know <laughs> September 11th, 2015. What a, what a release date. Interesting choice of release date. Absolutely. FX is developing From Hell, a drama series based on the graphic novel by Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell, which was adapted into the 2001 20th Century Fox feature starring Johnny Depp and Robbie Coltrane. Don Murphy, who produced the film, is executive producing. David Arada, who did Children of Men, will write the adaptation. From Hell tells the tale of Jack the Ripper with the killer himself as the main character, detailing the events leading up to the Whitechapel killings, and the cover-up that followed the 572-page graphic novel is a meditation on the mind of a madman whose savagery and violence gave birth to the 20th century from hell is considered one of the top 10 graphic novels of all time it came out as a comic book in multiple parts between 1989 and 1996 and was collected in 1999 despite its size and cost it has never been out of print and features 46 pages of footnotes in the back that give the story depth and detail interesting have you read it uh, you know, I have never read that. I saw the movie, I but would, I know that they made changes to I would not call, it down. I would
3: not call that description very apt um and I, I don't want to go too far into it for fear of blowing it, but uh, that's exactly it. That's one of the they things did. they did in the movie that I haven't seen a movie because of this is uh a lot of the book is a conflict between two characters, two investigators uh they combine the two characters and a Johnny Depps character in
1: the movie. Ah. so there oh, goes okay. all the conflict, right, sure. But as a miniseries, uh, that they, they, it could finally work as a story.
3: As, as a, it should be a longer piece. It is. It definitely. It's hard to cram that into one movie. Alan Moore knows the score. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this January, months ahead of his first big screen appearance, Scott Lang will star in an all new Ant Man series from writer Nick Spencer and artist Ramon Ro- Rosanis. The series will feature the second Ant-Man trying to rise up from the shadow of his past and the shadow of his Ant-Man predecessor by traveling to a new city and getting a new lease on life. It's a new start for Ant-Man, and Marvel's concocted a variant cover concept to go with it. Uh, when Ant-Man number 1 hits comic book stores in January, it will feature a limited edition variant cover by Ed McGuinness that Marvel has dubbed the Shrinking Variant. It's called that because in celebration of Ant-Man's size-changing powers, each individual copy of the shrinking variant will feature Ant-Man at a different size. All will be individually numbered. There are no two alike, so if you buy one, you really do have a -a one-of-a-kind variant cover. Well, that's cool. It's a nice gimmick. I'll
3: give yeah. it. Scott Lang is the one they're using for the movie? Yes. That explains why the series is coming out, then. Yes, it is. But still, it's. it's uh, I'm not a big fan of gimmick covers, but that's at
0: least a unique gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott, uh, what was uh, Scott Lang's father's name in the series? Fritz. Uh, yeah. In. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me there. Because uh... <laughs> I, I know in the Ant-Man Good. movie, Michael Douglas is playing the... The father, uh, whose name escapes me right now, but uh,
3: his mom is Lana.
0: <laughs> you're
3: pushing it, <laughs> fact yeah. check. Uh, Paul's not here to do Jack Cassery. Somebody has yeah. to do Jack, yeah. Jack for, go for it. Yeah, fill
1: that role. Yeah. <laughs> We've all gone through life believing that the first Batmobile actually built was the custom George Barris Lincoln Futura concept car, souped up for the 1966 TV series, which recently sold on the auction block for an astonishing $4.2 million.
0: Yeah, that was crazy.
1: Well, erase, erase, erase that fact from the geek history books with the recent discovery of the first Batmobile officially licensed by DC Comics, a 1958 Oldsmobile 88 customized in 1960 by Forrest Robinson and Len Purham in the New England family barn. Complete, completed in 1963, this retro Batmobile convertible showcases the classic lines, fender skirts, bat nose grill treatment, and single shark fin rear end as seen in the comic book Batmobile of the 40s and 50s. Robinson's Batmobile toured the country for promotions and special events during the Batmania fad a year before Barris's replica Batmobile hit the streets. Oh, wow. The classic black and red sports car was eventually sold to a metal fabricator for $200, then spent 50 years wasting away in a New Hampshire field. It was discovered by a collector in 2008— and given a full frame-off restoration last year before being offered for sale at the next Heritage Auction event in Dallas, December 6, 2014. So this ultra-rare 63 Batmobile is considered the earliest known car ever sanctioned by a DC Comics I've licensee.
3: got to see the picture of this, because I mean... Um,
1: that, that, I'm actually going to use the picture of that car for this episode, so, so you'll si- be able to see you
3: said You said sitting in a field or in a barn?
1: In a field.
3: It was Customized in a barn. So this is George Washington's axe, where you had to replace the 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 handle and the head. Yeah, I mean, there's very little of the original thing there. They had
2: the.
3: I I don't know what was left. You sit anything in New England for 50 years, it's a, it's a rust, rust. yeah. Yeah. But it's that vehicle restored. I don't know what they do for the. um, Here you go, Andy. Whoa. That, okay, I remember that from the comics. Not from when they came out, by the way, from looking at back pictures. <laughs> um, um, what did they do for the. He, he, he drove a regular car in the, uh, the 40s, the, the serials they did, the Republic serials with Batman? Yeah, just a regular. It's a regular car yeah. that wasn't Batmaned up
0: at all. Okay. It was just black, if I recall.
1: Yeah. In an interview appearing in UK paper, The Telegraph. Nintendo's most famous game designer, Shigeru Miyamoto, said that he is not at all that interested in having the same games that appear on other systems appearing on the Wii U. Quote, "What other companies are doing makes business sense, but it's boring," he tells the Telegraph. "The same games appear on every system. At Nintendo, we want an environment where game creators can collaborate and think of ideas for games that could have never happened before." Unquote. Well, this may in fact be how Miyamoto feels it might also give the world a look inside the attitude Nintendo has toward third-party developers and why there may be a lack of third-party titles from publishers such as EA, Ubisoft, etc. Well, one of the reasons. So And it's named the Wii U. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Wii U. I still can't get over Wii U. <laughs> it's,
1: Wii U. It's, we, we've, we've talked ad infinitum about the, yes. the unfortunate name Wii to begin with. And, yes, and then right. over the years, just, just breaking it. But... I don't know. Is this more of an excuse as to why there isn't? Or do you think that he's like, I, I don't want these other games on our system because cause why? I don't I'm really care. to think, believe that
3: answer.
0: I mean, just, just anytime I watch an interview with Reggie Fiamme, who's the president of Nintendo of America, it always seems like there is this attitude that we're Nintendo, come along with us or get left behind. And it's almost like they don't embrace the fact that there is a lot more competition now. They're not the only game console on the market. They're not the one. They're not the console that everybody is clamoring for. Now, I know this last quarter, they actually turned a profit again after, was it three quarters in a row? Um, sure. In well, That's the red. good news. That's great news. Yeah. But it was more on 3DS sales. Sure. And, and that was because a new model was coming out and, and also a lot of people clamoring for the new Smash Brothers title.
1: And I think the Smash Brothers for the Wii U comes out the beginning of December.
0: Yeah, so that hasn't even launched yet. But it's almost, I mean, and to their credit, they have a lot of first-party titles that people want to play. That is true. So for that very reason, there are a lot of people that will buy Nintendo products so that they can play just those games that are only going to be available on the Nintendo. As far as title catalog. They really need to support uh, or at least try to court third party developers
1: you know, well, if I've they want to be so competitive. many third parties back out, and yeah. the reasons being is the Wii U does not have the power that we need to do what this game needs to do,
0: yeah, the with the current gen consoles, yeah, absolutely. I mean I'm not
1: in even like the old gen stuff, you're not seeing any kind of crossover
0: well, i mean the 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 power pc I think it is uh processor that's in there is identical to what's in like the Xbox 360 right. and and in some cases the later versions of the PS3. So I mean, it's it's like going back and having to develop for those when you're trying to put these brand new games out. I mean, we even talked about it on the show here where some developers are embracing the power of the new or the the current gen consoles and and steering away from the like the 360 and the PS3 because those systems are just not powerful enough they to handle the wall what on they want to do. Yeah, it, there's, you know, there's so, you know, a finite amount of resources with those. So, I, I mean...
3: Another tack on that. Is is Nintendo the only video game company out there that successfully created marquee characters? That I mean, Mario is known by just about everybody. It's not you quite think, Mickey right. Mouse.
1: You think Nintendo, you think Mario. Yeah, right. So are you saying is that? Are you mean? You mean like? Are there? Does, does three sixty have one? Does PlayStation have one? I mean, yeah, you would, and you, I can't think of any like that.
0: You could argue Sega with Sonic prior to Sega going software only. Sure,
1: but let's 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 move ahead to this generation. If I have to say if PlayStation three has one, one possibly two, would be uh, Drake from the Uncharted games, right. which again I don't is know. not a.
3: I mean, I, I know him, but I mean, right? I mean it's not. Like and
1: Sackboy from Little Big Planet, right? Again, those, and are the, not, those are not characters everyone uh, knows. Everyone the, knows Mario. Sure, and the uh, for God the of war series. That's oh yeah, um, so Kratos. Kratos. So that,
3: that's not Mickey Mouse. But that's, that, that is that's nowhere near. No, that
0: yeah. is know. nowhere near that. Now Microsoft with the Xbox series, everybody knows who the Master Chief is from Halo at this point. I, I mean, it is. Think a lot of people know. It is. It is in the zeitgeist. It is yeah. to the point where. You know, even if you don't play Halo on the Xbox, any of the iterations of the Xbox, Which, you know, you know who the Master Chief is, sure.
1: Which is interesting because talk about a character that has very little character,
0: yeah, right, and and and, and very little character development across the you know, sure, and I'm the, sure the the that's on purpose, game, so that it
1: feels like you are the Master Chief, if right, you, yeah, instead of you're playing a character, you are the character.
0: And to some people, that's the appeal of the character—the sure. mystery of his background—and you know they release little tiny bits of of his history. So I guess in each what I'm game, saying but.
1: is no, there's absolutely no character that has the charisma of right. say every character that Nintendo has. Right,
3: the the marquee value of, of yeah yeah.
1: Whether you're talking Link, Donkey Kong, I, I'm saying Yellow.
3: I mean I mean you're talking about Master Chief being on. I, I mean. Yeah, soccer moms know Mario. They don't know Mario, Master Chief. Right. I mean, it's it's, a, it's crazy the the sure. depth of the... You know. But, well, and
1: but then, again, we're talking about a character that's been in development since he was Jumpman in 1980.
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and even the character developed started development in the late 70s. You know they they had the idea. I mean, it, yeah, it didn't appear till Jumpman in in, in 1980. But but they've
3: made what. Nintendo F- 15, has, 20 games of that character in it. And yeah, the
0: thing I, I in, think you're underselling. So, yeah, now, I was going to say, Nintendo has the benefit of the number of years that they have had that character out there. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, you're but talking... But they've also managed to keep it Sony, in, the, in
3: the forefront of it for
0: that long, too. Sure, but you're talking, like, with the other console sure. manufacturers, and Sony, Sony tried and Microsoft. Pe- uh,
1: Crash Bandicoot. They yeah. tried that to yep. be their, mm.
0: their PlayStation Master. Yeah, that was going to be their... You know their signature character, and it just it was not nearly as popular, and probably never will be because Nintendo no has shit been around. It's not good games. I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, our you know our generation, you know, that grew up with the Nintendo console and the Atari and so forth. So we're all adults now, and in many cases with children, and they're you know. Still familiar with the characters that we grew up with Mm -hmm. because there are games still coming out with Mario and Luigi and you know right Right. I mean Oswald
3: Link Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and Horace Horsecaller I think both predate Mickey Mouse well maybe not but it's also
1: one of the reasons that it's hamstrung Nintendo in the later generations because it's also one of the reasons why they are seen as a kids only console right not for not, not growing up with the adults that the Xbox and the PlayStation have right. tried to court. So so they also have now that chain that they're wearing that is Mario. Right.
0: And you know, <laughs> and Microsoft and Sony have latched on to the you know, the first person shooter generation, you know, the the Call of Duty players, the you know, Modern Warfare and also the Madden players. Sports games have a huge demographic right now for those consoles which aren't available on the Nintendo. I
1: want to and, see Christmas and
0: the and the, the military style first person shooters mm-hmm. not available on the Nintendo.
1: Most selling game in October was 2K Basketball.
0: Yep. I want to see a, a Christmas carol
3: redone based on that just with that one throwaway line of your the the wearing the Mario as a chain around him as. <laughs> I mean i build the whole thing around that one piece and then
0: yeah, I'm not into there. the sports games, but is it Mario? Mario? Oh God! Marlio oh, <laughs> He's he's got a, he's got a blue jumpsuit jumpsuit and in uh, and a or a, sorry a red, red jumpsuit jumpsuit and a, and a blue a blue t shirt
3: underneath. <laughs> I wear these chains I forge in life. They're all pixels.
1: It's <laughs> got that chomper at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. This week, Microsoft announced that it has sold nearly 10 million Xbox One consoles since the system launched almost a year ago. The last time Microsoft revealed numbers of on sales was in April, and it said that its newest system had sold 5 million units. Part of this growth is likely due to the two factors, the unbundling of the Kinect and a holiday price cut that runs until January of 2015. The price cuts the system down to three forty nine, about fifty dollars less than the PS four. To show perspective, and I really I actually did a lot of research so I could throw this at Paul because I knew the moment I said this, he'd be like, They're never gonna outsell, they're never gonna be the thing. Here's here's a little I did some number jumping. This you did took the me math a while. and
3: homework and the bass
1: sick
0: crunched your numbers. Right. So Damn it.
1: It took Xbox three sixty from two thousand five to two thousand seven to reach this milestone. And the PlayStation 2, the best-selling console of all time. Right. uh, Which released in October 2000, didn't reach this milestone until March of 2001. So that's a good five, six months away Mm -hmm. from now. So uh, according to reports, Sony is on top of this generation by at least 40%. PlayStation hit 10 million units in August. So, so far, the sales of this next-generation console are outpacing uh the PlayStation 2 sales of its generation. That yeah. could
3: not have been easy information to compile. My hat is off to you I, I whenever. Wow. And and
1: and those numbers are so dodgy to find there. Yeah.
0: Boy. Well, it's cuz it, it's it's a trick that a lot of electronics manufacturers use. They talk about units shipped versus units sold. Sure. And so, in, and in this and, case, and, yeah, this, this, this is, is unit, unit shipped. sold. Oh, this is unit shipped. Yeah, oh, the, I was going to say.
1: These, so these are even units shipped in these old numbers.
0: Right. But, I mean, they are selling. I'm, I'm still seeing fewer and fewer consoles sitting on the shelves when I go, you know, into the Walmart or the Best Buy or whatever. All it well, takes you know.
1: is the must-have game. Yeah. And that's all it took for all, every console going way back to Pong. But well, don't worry, because right.
3: the, re- the research is not, you know, wasted. Because when Paul listens to the episode, I'm sure he'll come by and have... I'm
0: sure he'll answer and explain and say... Oh. But yeah, that that whole unit shipped versus unit sold, it's, you know, it's... Unit shipped is they've sent it to the retailers to sell.
1: Right. And then in this case, this is actually unit sold. So this is actually yeah. even more ahead of those numbers yeah. I just gave
0: you. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, that's an install base versus a... You know, potential install base. Did you get the numbers
1: from Dreamcast? I did. It's not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) But this is good news for all gamers because I'm so glad that these consoles are neck and neck. I know the Xbox has their fanboys, I know the PlayStation has their fanboys, I know the PC has their fanboys, but it's creating this bubble of competition, this neck and neck to compete for your dollar yeah. that's only going to benefit you in the long run. If it was one of them running away with it, the other one would fall away, the competition would go down, and then they can do whatever they want with you. It's yeah. one of the reasons why PlayStation Plus became a better thing than gold, and that's why gold now matches PlayStation Plus in what they offer. Yeah, they're they're forcing
0: both companies to, you know, try to beat each other to the next popular thing
3: we're in the golden age of geekdom of of game geekdom
0: well i mean it's you know it's you, you look at the ps4 is the the best better selling of the two consoles right now but microsoft's gaining on them it's not like it's so far out ahead that you know that sony's comfortable sony is happy with their numbers of units sold but they also know that microsoft is right on their tails so they're not sitting on their laurels they're actively trying to figure out what gamers want, sure. and you know what other things they can add to the console software-wise to attract people away. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, a lot of people are buying both
1: consoles. So. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that call back to the classic gaming was, was where it's at, and, and and Paul is in that camp. And there's a lot of people that say that that modern gaming doesn't compare to it. And I completely go against that argument because. I remember the classic gaming days. Yeah, we we remember the really good games, but we forget all the crappy ones. There was a lot of really bad games. Yeah. Just watch the angry Nintendo nerd or the angry video game nerd is right. now called, and he will take you down that memory lane. Oh yeah, of what was really horrible about NES and Master System releases of the time.
0: God, I think I remember he did one with like like a Bugs mm-hmm. Bunny game, and it was. It was like a Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny game, like birthday game, and it was terrible.
1: It's a similar feeling when you are going into a classic rock station yeah. and you're going, man, music was so much better back then. No, it, it really wasn't. It's just that this stuff on the classic rock is the hits. This is the top 30 stuff that all that played. It was the best of its era, but its era had its also its share of heartbeats, it's a love beats, and really just awful, terrible M's pop music. The, the, the forgotten. Actually, actual song. The, the if you want to
0: there yeah. was a lot more filtering back then. Now you've got a lot more corporate involvement that's putting a lot of sure, the but music that, but out. That's, so. the,
1: that's the arc that music has always had because right. the, the exact same thing was the problem of the music in the early to mid '60s before the Beatles broke that out. You, you it must, was all corporate in-house yeah. songwriter run. Well, I
0: meant I meant as far as like DJs. I mean, you're getting fewer and fewer DJs, and in in a lot of cases, oh, that's gone. In the, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just plain gone. In the in you know 70s specifically, sure. and then through most but, of the but 80s, then again, the DJs were the gatekeepers to the music. You know, they decided a lot of times from a list of potential playing,
1: but that's also not just. The loss of the DJs because they've gone elsewhere. Because yeah. music isn't now discovered on the radio.
3: No, in no. fact, I no it's more not. often than not I find new music now on on Facebook or YouTube, just flipping around. Somebody's someone or my, one of my friends posted, or I'm looking at something else on YouTube, and it suggests something else somewhere. Um, somebody put together a mix of uh, the the super awesome mix too. So, oh yes,
1: somebody, yeah, somebody
3: somebody put together a pretty good guess of you know the kind of songs. It was the same kind of eclectic mix, but. Same time period, but one of the songs they put in there, I it, I don't think it'll get used. Was a song called "Give Me That Ding," which I had almost completely forgotten <laughs> about, and it is just like you, you got to hunt it down so don't listen to it. But it's just bizarre, and it's like, yeah, it's "Give Me That Ding." Give me, it's like a little, it's like yeah. a dirty old man song. It's this bizarre oh, yeah. thing. I, I know the song, yeah, yeah. It's, but uh, it's
1: it's like when you look back on your life, you but, count you count the hits, and you just you, dis- you yeah. dismiss the misses. And that's the same thing that a lot of classic gamers are doing right. with their video games. They're remembering right. the Mario games and, and, which is the and I they're forgetting saying, Jekyll and Hyde. I love yeah.
3: giving me that ding, but it it was a, it was a huge hit, you know, for sure. three or four weeks or something. But I hadn't probably not heard it in twenty years. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah. yeah.
1: That's that's internet radio's great for that.
0: Mm. Side note in reference to your awesome mix. Um for fans of Guardians of the Galaxy, and I know oh, yeah. it is on sale right now for free on Google Play if you have an Android device. That's right. You can download that album for free, I believe, until Thursday of this week. So if you're hearing this on Wednesday, it should still be available, but you can download the entire Awesome Mix Volume 1 for free. I did it today because I actually already own the the CD of it, but... It's free. If you enjoyed the music on that movie, go get it. Okay, so that's great. Why would they do that? I don't. I don't. I know, sometimes that was some thoughts. Because that's what Google does. They just every now and then give stuff away for free.
3: See, I get it when they give away stuff for you to try and get some attention for it. But this is like a number one album for a while, right? Yeah. Wow. Good.
1: Fun. Good on that. them. Thank
0: you, Google Plus or Google. It's Play a way. It's a
1: way of getting Jeff to say Google on a yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it I works. Mean,
0: well, I mean, you know, I'm not one to typically promote sure. stuff like that, but it's a good album and mm-hmm. it's free.
1: There it is. And, and, that, and why that, not? But that's exactly it. It gets Google Play out there. I mean, you're still fighting for market share against well, yeah. Apple. What's the site called? Oh, yeah. Google no, it's, Play. It's your Google it's your Play. Google, it's your Google Store. No, it's on, it's on your Android I device. I I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, not...
3: I'm doing the, the pitch man shit. <laughs> Somebody pointed out to me about this weekend when I was with my other nerds that uh, um, uh, Googling was The first time it was set on, t- on TV was uh, Buffy.
2: Oh. Yeah.
1: Interesting. The more you know. Yeah. Bum, bum, Put that bum, in your trivia contest. Here's a little interesting th- announcement. Sony is working on an internet-based television service called PlayStation View. That's V-U-E. Which it claims will work with PlayStation consoles and other devices like the iPad. The service is set for launch later this year. The service will launch with around 75 channels per market. And that includes local broadcast networks and cable channels from Fox, NBC, Universal, and Viacom, among others. The service will also provide on-demand content from participating networks, offering a special feature where up to three days of recent popular programming, programming at all times. Viewers will also have the ability to save episodes of their favorite shows to the cloud and retain access for up to 28 days. Partners announced so far include CBS and its networks, Discovery, Communications, that's Discovery Channel, TLC, Animal Planet, Investigations, Discovery, Science, Oprah, uh, Disney Family, and 11 others. Fox, that's FX and all the FX channels, National Geographic, Nat Geo, uh, Universe, NBC Universal, that uh, includes Telemundo, uh, Bravo, Oxygen, Sprout, Sci-Fi, USA Network, and Scripps Network's Interactive, HDTV, Food Network. So basically, so this is... Sony putting out a alternative cable service. Okay. So for those who are looking to cut the cable ties but are afraid to because you'll lose your local programming or ability to watch network television. Right. Here comes Sony with this offering. This
3: could be how I could watch uh, all the, the the Flash and uh and uh, and I, and um, I left Agents out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: I left out a whole bunch because I just didn't want to list them all out. But almost every major cable channel is, is here. Uh, Sony has not announced pricing for the service, but it will likely be a monthly fee with no long term contract. So hmm. that's a, an interesting development in the cable wars. It is yeah. interesting to live in the future. I like it. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, this is good. May you live in interesting times. Mm -hmm. And going back to the dump, the city of Alamogordo, New Mexico, has generated $37,000 selling 100 Atari 2600 games on eBay that we talked about. I hope they're patching a lot of roads with that. The thousands of game cartridges on Earth are currently under the watch of the Basin Historical Society being stored at the New Mexico Museum of Space History in Alamogordo. Uh, To go back a little, the city council said in September it would keep some of the cartridges for mementos, sell 800 of them on eBay, and donate the rest to museums around the world. Which is interesting because I think I said 1,500 last week, so it's about half that. Uh, Money raised through eBay will go to the city and the Tolarusa Basin Historical Society, who will pay down the $50,000 it cost to arrange the dig. The top-selling item was one of the famously abandoned cartridges for E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which sold for a whopping $1,537. Jeez. Somebody just got bid bit happy on that one. A wow. total of nine E.T. cartridges sold for more than $1,000 apiece. That
0: 1500 must have been like the first one. Somebody wanted to have the first one.
1: I don't remember. I went through them all, and I didn't see any of them that put aside that this was the one that was... No, I
0: meant as far as like the first one that was available for sale. Oh, on eBay? Yeah, yeah, probably. It's like, I got wow. the first one that was available for sale.
1: Organizers provided buyers with certificates of authenticity, and once again, the documentary, chronicling the excavation of all these games, is set to debut in a few days, November 20th, on Xbox One, Xbox 360, and PC via video.xbox.com. So on my Xbox, I'll be able to watch that. Yes. Cool. If you're an Xbox Gold member, you are. it's a I it's am. free... Free to watch. So what's interesting Thursday. about this
0: is apparently there's a lot more in that area that Almagordo could bring up if they wanted to. Sure. So like what? There's, there's more games down there. They only brought they, they up. Didn't, they didn't pull them all up. They only brought up a small amount of so what's more, there.
3: More stuff they got dumped besides ET or are you saying or no? Well, I
0: mean there's more copies of oh, that yeah, stuff okay. down yeah. there, and then as well as other titles. And there are
1: yeah on the website on eBay I saw Warlords Joust. Just joust, yeah, twenty six hundred for uh, joust.
0: Uh, An interesting uh, theory on that was that why they left a lot of them down there was they could sell these off, and in a few years from now they could go pull more out and you know use it for whatever city funding they need because demand. it is it is anybody, city property. Has, you has anybody ever
3: been to Alamogordo? Not till what now. The, what the hell does the town look like? Do we know? I don't it's, think there is a town. It's a small
0: little town. I don't think okay. it exists. <laughs> A myth. Mm, road trip. Well, that's where uh, the uh, the atomic uh, bomb program was. Do you have developed. the uh, Do you have the Uber news in there?
1: No, I didn't really want to bring okay. that one up. Uh, Ian Kureshi is in many ways a normal young boy, apart from the fact that at age five, just five years old, he passed an exam to become the youngest Microsoft Certified Professional ever. Five. Oh wow. Ian, whose dad whose dad happens to be an IT consultant, had to answer a selection of multiple-choice drag-and-drop scenario-based questions to pass the test, which is usually taken by people who want to become IT technicians. He explained to the BBC that he found the exam difficult but enjoyable. Quote, the hardest challenge was explaining the language of the test to a five-year-old, but he seemed to pick it up and has a very good memory, explained Ian's father, Asim, to BBC. Too much computing at this age can cause a negative effect, but in Ian's case, he has cashed this opportunity. Since passing the exam, Ian has built his own home network and spends around two hours each day learning about operating systems and software. Apparently, he hopes to set up a UK-based tech hub one day. The This is beyond A-plus certification. This is certified Microsoft technician. That is like five tests, if I remember right.
0: I took a practice test on one of those several years ago, and it is not easy. No, it is not. It is a very difficult test. I was like, wow, I'm glad I'm not trying to get certified right now. Uh, I'm so glad his current
1: plans are to use his powers for good. So don't let this discourage you. Let this uplift you. Let this let this let you move forward into the world. If ne- a five-year-old can study his butt off and and pass this test, you can get a job.
0: Did it say which specific <laughs> test he took? Was it the? flipping because you've got the mcse the microsoft certified systems engineer Mm -hmm. you've got the mcne microsoft certified network engineer i'm not sure which one and then there's there's like two more yeah so i mean there's several of them out there so i'd be curious to see which one he was i'm thinking probably network since you said he made
1: his own own home network that does make sense what makes sense to you write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com and thank you for the folks that when you write in and, and you, you interact with us. We, we love it. And for you newcomers, you new nerds, thank you. We've been doing this for 260 episodes, and it's good to see everybody still on board. so Absolutely. So we love you, and we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff, the famous no uh, fact check, dandy. <laughs> <laughs> and and Paul will probably feel better by next yeah. week. So we'll have him back, and, and hopefully we'll we'll have uh, Matt back too. A uh, flip floppy. Matt. Yeah, he's he's got little we'll be work able issues to, that
3: we'll he kind of flip flops. Yeah, we'll be able to discuss all things Canadian, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and Paul could tell us what horrible things happened to his uh, bowels. I, I can't yeah. wait. You know the Yay. sign is hit. He had to change the number on the sign. Yeah, well, wow. we'll put it, how well, many days since the accident? Oh, yeah, since our last accident. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, put it this way. When, when
1: I called to talk to Paul, I actually ended up talking to Ann. So if that oh, tells you how, yeah, how he's, he's feeling. Sick,
0: yeah. so. <laughs> Great, why don't you get her on? <laughs> Can you imagine that? She, she wouldn't know what to do with herself if she ever came and guested on the show. <laughs> she would probably just want to walk away. She, she would
1: leave in a huff, <laughs> as people do on the show. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>